What's up and welcome to Kind of Funny Scream in Review. What an intro that was. Once again, shout out to Cameron Kennedy for the motion graphics and Carter Hill for the music, who I did not have make a new song. We just reused the Conjuring theme. Uh, but you know what? Spooky, right? Spooky, guys. I'm Tim Geddes, and I am joined by It's Christmas in August, Joy Noel. Hello. Maybe this link didn't go up for Kind of Funny Patreon people, so I'm putting it up right now. <laughs> the producer slash seducer Nick Scarpino. It's funny because I was like, I don't remember that clap being in Scream, but mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yep. And of course, if we're getting spooky, we got to do it with both of the Willems, James and Elise. How y'all doing? We're doing great. I, I recognize the clap and I thought this is the same lazy kind of funny production. <laughs> oh my God. Quality that I have come to know. I'm just kidding. So it's an amazing intro. Amazing yeah. intro. So Absolutely. good. And joining us uh, just for funsies, we have the weapons arbiter, Chris Anka. He hit me up. He's like, bro, I love Scream. Like, I just want to be here for the first one. I'm like, hey, dude, let's make it happen, man. Okay. He's bringing some facts. He's going to bring the energy. So it's going to be fantastic stuff because this is kind of funny's Scream in review. Where each and every week, we are going to rank and review the different Scream movies. Uh, and then eventually, we're going to cover Scream 5 or Scream reboot or whatever it's going to end up being when it comes out January next year, which we're all very, very excited about. Uh, you can watch this on youtube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to listen to it as a podcast, just search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny interview and we'll be right there for you. If you want to get the show ad free and you want to watch it live as we record it, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our Patreon producer molecule has done. Thank you so very, very much because of that. You will not have to hear our ads for cam and stamps that we will get to later but for now let's start with scream it has a runtime of one hour 51 minutes released on december 20th 1996 directed by res wow, wes craven primarily known for creating the a nightmare on elm street franchise and directing the first four films in the scream franchise so we're going to get really used to him over the next couple weeks he also directed cult classics the last house on the left and the hills have eyes uh so this guy He's got the stuff when it comes to, to horror movies. Uh, after filming was completed, Wes Craven spent two months editing the final products himself. Uh, later, Patrick Lucier would come in to like really tighten it up and everything. But it's cool when directors are really involved in the, the editing process. And you can kind of get a little bit more of that like vision uh, you see in the final product. And a uh, fun little thing, he cameos in this movie. About 10 minutes in, when the killer smashes his head through a window and Casey, who's Drew Barrymore, hits him in the face with the phone, director Wes Craven is actually the one in the ghost face costume, and he actually got hit in the face. Awesome. There you go. Fun He's little facts. He's also He has another cameo. Oh, damn. Cameos on cameos, man. That's pretty cool. Uh, the budget was $15 million for this. The box office was $173 million. Horror is yeah. where it's at if yeah. you want those returns. I'm telling you, when we all get off our duff, we're going to make a horror film. And it's it's <laughs> going to lose money. Uh, we're going to yep, lose some yep. money. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> My movies don't do well. <laughs> I had a box office of $173 million, becoming the highest grossing slasher film until the release of Halloween in 2018. Uh, there was a five-page mm -hmm. treatment for Scream 2 at the end of the screenplay of number one one uh, and it was written into a full-blown script after the movie became a hit at the box office so that's kind of kind of cool which is hilarious because that's like the biggest no-no in hollywood right you never like start planning the sequel before the movie's been released it's like cursed but that's the like the amazing thing about kevin williamson and this whole thing is like his story with scream mm -hmm. is like so good like because he's like he's like that's it if this doesn't work i'm quitting hollywood for good and then he like went to palm springs locked himself 
in like a house for what, like a month or something, came out with the script for Scream, which I think was called Scary Movie, right? Yeah, it was Scary Movie. Originally called Scary Movie. And then the treatment for Scream 2 and then the plot for Scream 3. Like, it's weird because when you think, obviously we'll get to it. But when you think about like the first trilogy, it's the like the second one feels like such not an afterthought, but it's like yeah. oh they're capitalizing on, and then yeah. the third one feels even more like it's capitalizing capitalizing on. But all of it is like pretty consistent with his initial, from what I've read, like leap off. Right, so. that's cool. I didn't know. Are, that. Wait, are you trying to tell me that the person that wrote this also was in charge of Dawson's Creek? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He kicked off that whole that whole he just genre. Though. New teenagers. Yeah, he like he he set the pace because it was it was like weirdly he was like the John Hughes of the nineties. Like he set the tone for like the turn of the century team. And, and all of his stuff is that like, cause even his other films Amazing. like urban legends and stuff like, and uh, I know what you did last summer. Like mm-hmm. all of those are like, Oh, too. this is what mm-hmm. teens are. They're scared. They're, yeah, they're, they're scared. mostly scared. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So Joey, what'd you think of scream? So I, Honestly, can't remember if I had seen this before. I assume that I have, and it's just been a long time because I loved all of, like, I loved I Know What You Did Last Summer, and I can't imagine that I watched those and didn't jump into Scream just by association of, like, whatever platform recommendations were on there. Um, But, like, I didn't remember anything other than, like, the general slasher premise. Like, I didn't even remember, like, nuances of the story. So I actually had, like, a lot of fun rewatching it. I didn't realize, like, how meta it was mm-hmm. in so many different parts. It was like, oh, this is, like, a lot smarter than I was anticipating, like, the stereotypical, like, teen slasher to be. So I had a lot of fun, and I'm very excited to watch the rest of these. Nick? Uh, yeah, man, I, I love this movie. I think the movie works on two fronts. One, it's actually a pretty good horror movie. And two, it's a meta commentary about horror movies and about movies in general, right? And my favorite scene, obviously, is the, is the part where Randy's sort of like laying out the rules, rule number one, two, and three. And then Matthew Lillard, of course, goes, I'll be right back. And it's super fun. <laughs> and, you know, you've got you've got an all-star cast of like some of the heavy hitters from the 90s. You got Lillard, you got uh, Nev Campbell, you have um, uh, uh, the actress, uh, Rose McGowan. These, these were all actors that were coming up when i was a teenager and, and watching these movies so it was super cool to see them all going there of course soft spot in my heart for matthew Lillard because he was in hackers and that's one of my all-time favorite movies um and yeah i just remember thinking like i was t- i was telling my wife because she loves this movie as well uh we were watching it and i was just like it's so funny because the twist is so simple and no one thought of it no one's ever thought to do like the second killer is is it like and it's and it and it works and it gives it so much more dimensions um and it's very simple and then also sucker for anything that happens in a small town as, mm-hmm. as joey noted it was like santa rosa <laughs> cool it's it's a yeah. beautiful setting for this chris i mean it's a classic it is, it's it's very rare to have a movie that is both so self-referential uh, in, in it's like it has so much reverence for horror but then it's also in and of itself its own classic horror film uh, I mean, there's, there's, I, I mean, honestly, if I think of like a 90, like the peak 90s horror film, it's Scream. Like that is yeah. that whole generation to me. Yeah, totally. James? Uh, I mean, this is a Scream household. Please, <laughs> please will tell you, it, this is a Scream household. We, we love, we, you know, we think this movie is fantastic. It's so, it's so funny hearing Joey, you talk about it because I, with something we were saying when we were watching it again recently to prepare for this is that the reputation for Scream feels like it's just one of that like garbage dump of slashers that came out around that time. 
But when you watch it, you're like, oh, this is the one that started that whole genre up again when it was basically considered dead. And uh, and the reason it's like that is because all other movies are following suit. It's like when you watch Casablanca, you're like, it's a little tropey, a little tropey. And it's like, it's because it invented all those yeah, tropes, all, you know, yeah. like yeah. every single thing <laughs> created is, it. is referencing it. And like, obviously Scream is referencing tropes, but it's also created so many things that became the new trope. And I just think it's, fan we'll get into the details of some of these things. It's just like jam packed full of quality filmmaking. Elise. Well, you know, Tim, when it was about, you know, June and I was watching the Scream reunion, that uh, happened this year, I thought to myself, I hope kind of funny to scream in review and ask me to do it. Because I, I, I uh, you know, I, I am a huge fan and we watched this again to prepare and I'm like, I've seen this, a I owned all the, I owned the first or the three that were out on VHS. I owned on VHS a billion years ago. And like, you know, constantly rewatching these movies because even though some might say that the quality sort of, uh, you know, a d uh, diminishing returns per movie, I, I think even when you get around to the third one, you're like, God, these movies are just, they're ridiculous and they're referential. And uh, they, everybody's talked about how they've revived this genre. And I think there were still, you know, teen movies being made. I think The Craft even like predates, you know, that was Nev Campbell's first kind of like foray into sort mm. of the spooky. I forgot she was in that. But, uh, but this was what the, it was the jump start, the jumper cables on the genre and someone saying we can do this smart. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's just like, God, these, these movies are so great. There's. I mean, it... oh, sorry. oh, sorry. Continue. Sorry. No, I'm just rambling about how good they are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the case too. So back in the day, Tim, you, I don't know if you remember like the, the, the I mean, this was, to everyone's point, this did. Everyone was chasing this movie. Everyone was trying to chase the success of Scream, and I think even uh, the creator uh, Kevin Williamson tried to chase it as well. And I don't remember him ever being able to strike, like having that lightning strike twice, because I think the, the subsequent movies were okay, but they all felt so. Well, we'll get to them. No future spoilers. Um, but I just remember watching Scream, being like, "Wow, this! I'm watching." It's one of those rare moments where you're like, "I'm actually watching something special. This is actually something unique and cool." And it doesn't appear on the outset like that, but once you get through it, you're like, "Huh." Okay, that's some new shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was uh, I was too young for this movie when it when it first came out, and I remember like Kevin's older sisters, like they loved it and they watched it. But like to me, this Scream was always more uh, something I knew because every kid in the '90s for Halloween, you were either ghostface or scorpion or sub-zero like there was no other option and uh so i just you you know you kind of like see this and i thought that ghostface was this iconic bad guy in the same way that like michael myers is or whatever and like i didn't really realize that it was it's of our generation like it is such a 90s thing yeah. and being able to watch yeah. it now uh when to be honest i actually know the plot of this movie more because of scary movie and like scary <laughs> movie came out at a time that like i kind of understand the plot beats because i've seen that so many damn times and it's so funny watching this where i'm like wow scary movie to some extent didn't try at all they just remade yeah. this yeah <laughs> <Worse>. <laughs> like yeah. so funny but this movie works so well like i uh, we've kind of all talked about it already but i think that the fact that it is so meta and is such a good commentary on stuff while also being a good horror movie there's also a level of fun to it like it it never crosses over too far into like the the campy like the the point of watching this movie is the most insane creative kills possible 
but it still kind of has fun kills. Mm -hmm. And when they happen, you're just like, you can kind of see the moments where it's like, oh shit, you're in this garage. This isn't going to end well. And Mm -hmm. it always like kind of does something fun and unique where I'm like, damn, like they, they know what they're doing and they actually kind of go beyond just what it could be. And having twists, having those levels of multiple reveals throughout the movie, I'm like, holy crap, this kind of has everything I could look for in a horror movie, Elise. Well, and to your point about kills, it's Wes Craven making a movie where he has kills in it that are homages to kills that he did in Nightmare on Elm Street, Mm -hmm. which is like amazing too, but it doesn't come off being a like self-inflated ego thing. Like, you know, the TV stuff like that. Um, Well, there's just like a love letter element to the horror movies. I mean, even with like the the reverence for Halloween and like the fact that like there's a lot of Halloween music cues in this. And at some point I realized I'm like, it's not music cues. They're watching Halloween in the movie. And so when we they use the soundtrack of the movie playing for this movie soundtrack, it's really the hell. Like it's a guy making a love letter to his movies, too, which should feel like an ego trip. But it doesn't because it's also kind of like tongue in cheek and fun and. Well, I mean, it's, it's it's perfectly summed up when that when Henry Winkler pops his head out and he sees the janitor, which his is, name is Fred, which is Wes Craven. I didn't know that it was. Sweater. And he's yeah. got the sweater and the and the hat, and you're like, wow, that's so on the nose. It's so over the top that it's like it, you get a chuckle out of the audience. Of course, yeah. you know it's not subtle at all. But yeah, I like that. And yeah. and to Wes Craven's credit, like we've watched a lot of making of Scream. Like, there's a lot of really good documentaries out there about how this movie came about, and. uh and one of the funny things is like they they were like, who would be great to do this? And they're like, oh, my God, Wes Craven. And he didn't want to do it at first because he was like, no, this is this is like self self masturbatory in a yeah. lot of ways. <laughs> and I, they had to like basically bring him in and like like be like, no, no, like we can do this with your spin. And then it, it wasn't until then that he was like won over. So it it is, you know, it's it's weird because it was it, I can't think of another thing like this. Honestly, like I cannot think of another thing where someone influenced something so much and then came back to the genre to make something that was a reference to it. The closest thing is maybe like Mad Max Fury yeah, Road. Like Chris, yeah, maybe. Are you a comic book guy? I, I draw comics. I used to that's draw comics. That's what I thought. That's, that's <laughs> what I thought. I'm like, I, I think that that Chris is a yeah. comic artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, is this like a, is that something that you see in like comics? Yeah, you kind of. I mean, you'll see Frank Miller keep going back to do the same thing. It's, but it, like, the difference is comics is they start making things because they can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I think why this movie works so well is that you have someone who who's so, who's able to reference things that he was there for. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, you know, because I think of other like referential movies like Super 8 or Cabin in the Woods, and those are fans mm-hmm. like being referential to things mm-hmm. that they grew up on. And so it always comes off a little like phony because you're like, you're trying way too hard to get someone to notice <laughs> you. Whereas this sounds like, no, like I know what the trick was. I was in the room. Mm-hmm. And so I I can deconstruct this in a natural mm-hmm. way that everyone else is going to try way too hard to do. Yeah. I think that it comes off so natural with this. But Which, it's interesting too, like watching, going back and watching it back, even the, the style of it feels a little stuck in time, but also updated where you do get a lot totally. of those tricks where you do get a lot of these shots where you're like, I've seen this shot in so many different things, but that gives him the opportunity to either stay on that or turn on its side and do something that's mm-hmm. like subversive. And so, like, yeah, and you see that even toward the end where she jumps out of the closet and stabs him and she's wearing the costume. It's like, when did you get that? But stuff like that, <laughs> stuff like that, like, you go, as a, as a fan, you go, oh, I was not expecting that because he's lulled me into the sense of security of all these these things that I know that he's, I've seen in th- thousands of his movies before. And now we're kind of getting something different, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, there is a setup for it, too, which I always think about, which is New Nightmare. 
you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, which was the like basically precursor to Scream in a lot of ways. And what, what is that? Pre- so New Nightmare, what was it? Wes Number five nightmare it's a nightmare on elm street oh got it yeah but it's about the making of nightmare on elm street and and so wes craven is a character in the movie like it's entirely breaking that not fourth wall but it's just like pulling everything out creates its own universe yeah the you know, like, like it's, and it's, I feel like you see that in the stab, you know, stab being in which, Scream 2. Which we'll get stab. into. Yeah. Don't want to spoil yeah, it for Joey. Because yeah. I've seen the rest, I've seen. Oh, you've seen the rest. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the rest of them in bits and pieces. So I know gotcha. like okay. borders or pieces of the story, but I just you don't You know Jay and everything. Silent Bob appear in the third film. Well, still, still, so we, we do try to keep no future spoilers. <laughs> okay, gotcha. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, maybe yeah. Jay and Silent Bob appear in the third film. <laughs> maybe, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe Sarah Michelle Gellar is in one of these movies too. Probably not, though. Now, just before we get like, the... cut them out of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also Joey, the, uh, the Joey edit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into the plot real quick i want to say one of the things that let me down was like one of the first things we see is the like scream like title splash yeah. and it is like, the most inconvenient time ever when there's a perfect moment after the drew barrymore scene where it ends with her with the mom screaming and then it just cuts I'm like you should have had the title there what are you yeah. doing guys come well, on Tim, when you have those sweet, sweet 90s graphics, you got to mm-hmm. get those on screen as soon as possible. Like, <laughs> that was someone learned how to use. That looks like somebody learned how to use Photoshop that day with the tutorial and they designed the Scream logo. It's so 90s. Yeah. It reminds me it, of the, like, don't do drugs. Promo yeah, it's the day movies. Yeah. Like, don't do drugs. Like, red and blue is flashing. I'm like, okay. Like, screen, okay. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the plot, a little facts about the the intro scene drew barrymore insisted on shooting all of her scenes barefoot because her part of the movie was brief and she doesn't like wearing shoes so there you go Uh, and and nick this is for you Mm -hmm. is it a wig i don't know we get out with scarpino is it it looks barrymore wearing a wig wearing a wig in the 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 opening scene um and drew barrymore was originally cast as sydney prescott but then eventually uh, was recast as Drew. She insisted that if she played Casey, then it would pl- make the audience think that anything could happen. So that, that's kind of interesting. And I, and what course. a strong opening to this damn movie, oh, right? Gosh. Like, it's, who's Drew Barrymore? Yeah. You assume she's going to be like the lead? No. Dude, she's on the poster. She's, mm-hmm. the, she's <laughs> on the poster. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's what's so crazy. And if you think about this, I mean, there's another movie, obviously, that comes to mind when you think about this, which is Psycho, which mm-hmm. was billed as a Janet Lee yes, movie. And that. she dies in the first, like, what, yeah. act of it, right? And yeah. then it, it switches perspective on that. This blew me away when I watched it for the first time. Because I'm, I'm obviously, if you grew up in the 80s, you're a huge Drew Barrymore fan. I was like, wait. They they fucking they just fucking killed Drew Barrymore. Like, who's in this movie now? And I didn't really know. I don't think Nev Campbell was that big of a star when she did this movie. So it was like, okay, I guess you're here. You go. We're passing the baton to you, Nev. You're gonna carry this bad boy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. yeah, thanks, Nev. Uh, and then the last uh, fact I have for you here is at one point during the filming of the opening scene, somebody forgot to unplug the phone that Casey used to try and call the cops. And all the phone scenes uh, in this movie whenever you hear the voice talking to them that it's an actual phone call like they actually mm-hmm. were talking to the yeah, dude on the other side to try sense, to get yeah. more authentic reactions to it all going uh so they were working phones which meant that that led to an accident where drew barrymore hit 911 and it actually called the police and all um, they heard was her running and screaming on oh, the phone shit. so that caused a whole <laughs> uh but with that let's get to the plot nick go for it 
Please tell us the story. Damn it, no. Please tell us the story. <laughs> it's Scream. And in case you didn't know it was Scream, there's a bunch of Screams that <laughs> this movie off too for no fucking reason. And then we get one Drew Barrymore alone at night. She gets a call. Is it a wrong number? I don't know. Wigging out with Scarpino. She puts some Jimmy <laughs> Pop on the oven. And man, you want to talk about the fucking scariest thing you could think about in the 80s, Tim. Of course, I've got my list. Quicksand, mm-hmm. lasers. Um, it, it, losing yourself, getting lost uh, in a department store, and then having them have to do the call speaker. You're like, oh, this is so mm-hmm. embarrassing. Jiffy Pop popcorn that you put in the oven has got to be one up there. Mm-hmm. Because if you Fire left, it's, if you left this thing on the stove, I keep saying the oven, but it's a stovetop. You leave this on the stove 30 seconds too long, your entire house goes up in flames. Done. Everything you've ever worked for. This gone. house has the worst fire alarm I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah. It's smoking in there for like 10 minutes before yeah. anything mm-hmm. goes off. I'm like, our smoke alarms like you breathe too hard. Things <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think we can talk broadly about this town and and how they've decided they've decided to design all of their homes for murder. Oh. Yeah, like, for the possibility <laughs> of murder. Just complete voyeurism. There's there's no walls. It's all glass, glass everything everywhere. Is gla- there's it's it's a panopticon. The yes. town. It's easier to see inside the the home than it is to view anything safely out of the home. Yeah. That is an amazing word that I'm going to Google later. Uh the dude calls back and it's creepy and they talk about scary movies and Casey's like, "You know what? Uh, it's kind of into it until he asks her name. She goes, "Why do you why do you want to know my name?" And he says, "Because I want to know who I'm looking at." Whoa. And, and she's like, what? Tim, Tim mentioned it earlier about the phones being actually plugged in. None of the actors met the dude who did the voice. They cast the guy who did the voice. None. He wasn't on set. They never, they never met him because Wes Craven wanted it to be this mysterious, scary thing. Like, who are we talking That's to? That's awesome. So, Love that. Yeah, Roger amazing. Jackson was his name. The voice. Uh, Casey, of course, runs Damn, around and locks all the doors surprised. as the voice on the phone asks if she can see him. Uh, and also, says, who just does this town just leave all their doors unlocked? Because she goes yes. around and like just home yeah. by herself in the woods ish kind of place. It's 90s, no, no one's 90s, worried about this. Uh, These were different times. Yeah. 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 Well, the uh, police also, by the way, don't show up. Like you ever. can call the cops and be like, there are murders taking place right now and they will be like we'll be we'll be buying a cool 25 yeah <laughs> uh she goes of course i'm two seconds away from calling the police and he says they'll never make it in time she says what do you want he says to see what your insides look like and then the doorbell rings and she screams she's like fuck someone else here she's like who's there and this is the first time they reference uh i don't know what the hell i didn't have that anyway the voice tells her to turn her light on the patio on and she's like oh hey what's up steve and then uh, he wants to play a game. He says, you get this question right, Steve lives. You get it wrong, Steve dies. And then here's a warm-up question for everyone. Name the killer in Halloween. And she's like, well, that's easy. It's Mike Myers. He goes, see, perfect. Now name the killer in Friday the 13th. And, of course, she screams, Jason, like we all would under pressure. And he says, I'm sorry, that's the wrong answer. It's Jason's mother. Mrs. Yeah. Voorhees is the real killer. Lucky I, for you. I love. Can I just jump in real quick? I yeah. love how she is what all of us are when you're being pressured at the time yeah because because she she he goes who's who's the killer in, in friday the 13th she goes jason and he goes wrong 
And then she goes, she immediately gets defensive and she goes, yes, it, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I just watched it. I I totally just watched it the other night. And it's like, well, that's not true. Because if you did, you You would have known, like you would totally have known. So you're, but it's like, that's how we'd all be that defensive reaction. It's like, yes, it is. I know I'm right kind of thing. This is why I could never win the Schmodown. Didn't you win the showdown? Didn't you beat us? No, Greg beat you. I watched with a cup of coffee. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Because Greg has a fucking insane encyclopedic mind for everything he's ever seen. But I digress. Mm -hmm. Uh, It says, I'm sorry, that's the wrong answer. Yada, yada. But uh, Casey turns the patio uh, light back. She's like, no, Steve. Turns the patio light back on. And guess what? Steve is about 40 pounds lighter because his insides are on the outside now. And it's intense, man. Poor Steve, Mm -hmm. man. Yeah, dude. It was a lot. And like, this is great because this opening scene, obviously one of the all-time best, but it sets the tone for this movie so well. And one of the things I love most about horror movies is when it's scary because it could actually happen to you. And like the way that Drew Barrymore is like dealing with all this, like moment by moment, things being revealed, like it's terrifying. And even though I knew what was happening, it's still scary. And like, that's when horror movies are at their best. Mm Mm-hmm. That actor, I think, was up for the part of Billy Loomis. Or he's he, no skeet. He's yeah, no he was no skeet. He's no skeet. No skeet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, <sighs> we're going to talk about skeet in a second. But so, so I think they gave him this part as like a, you know. Consolation yeah. prize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they're like, we still want you in the movie. And then he's like, cool. And then they slowly put the thing over his mouth. You have no lines, yeah. but you can still be in it. Uh, oh, like, uh, Drew Barrymore really oversells him too. He's like, oh, he, like, he's, he makes him sound yeah. like he's like six five, two fifty, yeah. all Kick muscle. And he's like five eight, buck seven. I'm like, he's not doing shit to anybody. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's like third squad on the team. He's like a practice yeah. squad for sure. <laughs> he's, yeah. squad. he's the little brother they let have the jacket. Like he's uh, not really I, uh, five eight, pretty tall though. All right. So <laughs> yeah, is, uh, five, <laughs> Who is that? Is that Roger Jackson? Bonus round. Uh, here's my here's the bonus question. What door am I at? And then a beat, uh, and then a patio chair bursts through the glass door. Casey grabs a knife as the popcorn burns over the stove. And to Chris's earlier point, no fire alarm whatsoever. This place, very much a fire and kill hazard. Uh, she catches a glimpse of a shadowy figure down the hallway as she sneaks outside. Uh, and then, of course, she sees a car pulling down the long, 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 long driveway uh, down the road, which are her parents. Uh, when she looks out, the shadowy figure turns around to reveal his ghoulish white mask. Lise Willems has her head right. raised. Oh, sorry. No, you, I didn't want to interrupt. I just, I should have just waited. No, go for it. Go for it. I just want to say there's a moment here, Nick, where she's hiding. There's like a little, like, she's just on the other side of the glass door and mm-hmm. she's just tucked herself in this little corner and you see her parents driving up. And I'm like, woman, stay there. Yeah. Like, he's not going to find you. Let your no, parents, no, no. but you know, come. I mean, I'm sure she doesn't want him to attack them. But I was just, I just think a lot about how she just kind of stayed. Because that would be me. I would... Me? If I'm in this you're situation? You're a bush. Oh, yeah. I'm in a bush. I'm on the ground. I'm throwing leaves over myself. Yeah. You know, like. I, I, I also think there's something else. Because, again, this movie, I'm going to keep jumping in. Because I just, I was watching this movie with a microscope. And I love every morsel. There's so much texture in it. This movie establishes very, very early on that we are not dealing with a Michael Myers. We're not dealing with a Jason. This this guy trips and stumbles. Fumbles. He's a he dude. Gets, he, he gets hit goofily. The, he takes a rolling rock to the genitals, like yeah, he really and like, does. and it's just clumsy. And and it's kind of great. And what what Elise is talking about when she's hiding down, there's a point where she like peeks and then looks in, and then he's just like, 
maybe by the couch. Like he's, he's <laughs> lost her and you never get to see something like that in other movies, but it somehow is scarier. Like totally. it's, it's, it's real. It gets, it's, it gets paid off. It's real. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, there's an intruder in my home. They look like a supernatural thing, but this is just someone that wants me dead. And what um, I like about it too, is the use of the mask. It's like the mm-hmm. way he's like bumbling around. I buy it and it doesn't feel stupid. It feels like he, he can't, can't see because he yeah. has a stupid mask on. Yeah. But like, um, so I'll agree with you, James, that it's scarier for 90% of the time, but there's 10% where it's almost goofy. It's almost yeah. Oh, yeah. like, no, yeah. like he flips over and you almost expect there to be like a zing sound effect when it happens. But um, I, and then there's a couple moments we'll talk about later also where he's just fucking everywhere, including a liquor store. <laughs> and you're like, nobody <laughs> saw this guy in this liquor store. Sorry. I, I do think, I do think that it is what makes Ghostface Ghostface, though. You yeah. know, this, the invul- invulnerability of other uh, slasher villains what makes Ghostface Ghostface? Because like even if you play, because you know he's appeared in numerous films at this point, but then even in um, Dead by Daylight when he appeared as a character, a playable character in that, he just running around like he's just <laughs> like if you play against him, it's like it's impossible well, to play as. And him. the advantage in this movie, he's bumbling, but there's two of him. Well, that's that. So, I mean, obviously we, we get to it, but yeah, it yeah. it makes more sense when it's like you don't have to be supernatural and you don't have to be like have this radar for the victim because there's probably someone else going like she's outside you know like which is a game changer Um, and then the last thing i want to say is that driveway is the most jokey driveway it looks like it was specifically designed to avoid drew barrymore because she's like oh they're coming up she's like five feet away from the driveway the parents make a hard right down some other part of the driveway which now adds another 50 yards to her escape like i don't know i just thought it was so funny well, the thing uh, about this is that she's hiding in that little corner and she sees she has eyeline on the parents driving and in the lawn i'm like run across the lawn yeah. why did you stay on the patio and yeah. then you stop and you look at Steve twice. for a little bit like just book it straight up and he's he's inside in the smoke he can't see anything yeah, it's clear. It's because she knows that the driveway is the shape of a question mark. She <laughs> saw what happened was James. She saw the parents at the end of the driveway, and she was uh-huh. like, "I, I have twenty minutes until they make it to me. This, yeah, is, yeah. this is a solid twenty. I gotta survive for twenty minutes." Of, this. of course, she does not. Ghostface catches up with her and stabs her in the chest, uh, and then uh, tries to strangle her, crushing her windpipe. She kicks him in the balls and manages to make it a few more steps before he tackles her. And then her parents finally get home and look That's at the phone, phone and realize. All hell's going loose. They, they pick up the phone line to see what's going on, and they have to hear uh, her, their daughter being stabbed to death on the other end. And this part's terrifying for me. There's nothing scary. It's like it's like a bad dream, like a nightmare, right, where you just desperately want to get to your parents for safety, and some menacing thing is just pulling you back in to kill you, and that's exactly what we're seeing here. Uh, and, of course, her mother, her, her, her dad's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Go down the question mark driveway, and in 55 minutes, you'll make it to our neighbor's house. <laughs> Call the cops. <laughs> And tell him what's going on. And he sends her out on her own. And then what she does, of course, the sight that she sees when she, it, it makes her scream bloody murder. And the dad comes out. We see it from his perspective. Casey is hanging from a tree. And she has also been gutted. The, the, the dad right, here is going to deal with not only the trauma of losing his daughter, but having basically subjected his, his wife to every worst part. Because like they get home and he's like, mm-hmm. call the cops. 
She, she picks up the she phone. Hears Here's Casey <laughs> being murdered. And then he's like, he's like, oh my God, something's wrong. He's like, go outside. <laughs> and she goes outside and is confronted with her dead daughter's corpse. Like, he's like, he just constantly gives her commands, which <laughs> cause her to run into another rake of trauma. Oh my uh, God. Uh, two I, facts I want to give here are uh, during production, Ghostface's signature black robe was actually going to be white to make him look like a ghost, not just ghost face. Uh, mm. Once they saw it, though, everyone's like, no. No, no, no. A little clancy? Yeah, it's a little too clancy. So they they, they scrapped that. Uh, And then a a very interesting thing that does not surprise me at all, a stat here, is the use of caller ID increased more than threefold after the release of this film. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. I wonder how much, like, future generations are going to react to this movie of, like, because I feel like most people now, like, you, we have caller ID. A, a lot of people I know, especially ones that are younger than me, don't answer numbers they don't know. No, and, no, like, no. even the the way that they use the phone and the mom hearing Casey because she's on the other one, like, do people even have home phones anymore? Like, how much of this is, like, going to require so much explanation to people just because we've, like, r- like moved on mm-hmm. from that technology? Yeah. So well, hopefully it's, it's still fun. Not to get ahead, but there's a part at Tatum's house when Randy answers the phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. like, bro, you don't live there. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> not only that, he answers the phone and someone on the other end of the phone is like, hello, Randy, here's a piece of information. And it's like, what? And he's just, call me. I'll be over at uh, Matthew Lillard's house if you need me. Well, even it's, just the stigma of having a cell phone. Like, yeah, I was going to say. When, when Billy's getting questioned by the police, he's like, what are you doing with the cell phone? He's like, yeah, what yeah. Do you have a, like, Mobius like, are you a murderer? It's like, like clearly the two, two oh, things yeah. go together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It's also worth pointing out, though, this was one of the first few movies that where cell phones, like for horror movies, started getting introduced and they used it in a very smart way. But, like, if you notice every other movie past this, they always have to come up with a reason why mm-hmm. someone's cell phone doesn't work because mm-hmm. cell phones kill all tension in every movie if you can just call the cops and run away or figure out in which direction you have to go to. But I thought that was interesting that they have, like, old school, original, like, Nokia cell phones, whatever they were. And, it ends up being interest very smartly used in this, especially mm-hmm. as a red herring. Anyway, let's cut over to Billy's or to Sydney's house. Billy sneaks in, and I'll tell you one thing right now, guys. This guy, I never, I had no idea who Skeet Ulrich was. Didn't really, really pay attention to any of the marketing material behind Scream. I wasn't really a horror fan. I just went with some friends to this movie, and I was like, "Is this guy related to Johnny Depp? Did they want Johnny Depp for this, and he's just too old for it? Like, who is this Skeet Ulrich?" Mm-hmm. And basically what happened was that they were casting people. Skeet came in. Wes went, Johnny, so good to see you again. Yeah. And no one had the heart to tell. No him. one knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's funny you say that. It's because so actually they he cast him because he looks like Johnny Depp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Johnny Depp was in the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is fun, which is crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, Mr. Prescott uh, tell, let's, uh, almost catches Billy. And then he tells the audience that he'll be gone all weekend on a work trip. And we're like, what a great, what a convenient setup for this whole yeah. thing. Uh, especially, you know. Great idea too. Uh, on the on the on the first year anniversary of your wife's death, uh, yeah, go for a work trip, Mister Prescott. Bring up idea, right? Leave your child alone at home with her thoughts and maybe her sadness. Um, so what, well, what caught me off screw, what caught me off in this scene was seeing Neve Campbell and seeing Billy, and I'm and I couldn't really get their age, and I was like, why does a thirty year old have stuffed animals? on her bed and, and uh-huh, why yeah. is dad telling her to go there? like she looks 35 in this oh movie. they're all Everyone does. yeah <laughs> like, so, like it took me a while I'm like oh they're supposed to be teenagers still 
Oh, well, that's yeah. the funny thing is, like, when we get to the party scene at the end, uh, the, then we have uh, Courtney Cox and, like, the, the more than Dewey or whatever the hell his name is. Mm-hmm. I think, wait, Dewey, yeah, is that yeah. his name of this? Yeah, Dewey, yeah. Dewey. he's like 25 Deputy or something. Dewey. And then they got married uh, named Dewey Cox. Yeah, I, see, I'm getting confused because it's so <laughs> similar to Scary Movie that, like, mm-hmm. I can't even tell the difference. But uh, when they're in this party in this house, like, these adults are with these high school kids and it just feels so off but i bet to the people making the movie it didn't feel off because they're well, like they're, they're all adults so they're all just here hanging out there's that line where dewey says you know i'm 26 i was 25 or, or 25 i was 24 for a whole year i can't remember which it's 25 yeah, for yeah. A whole year. Yeah. going on 17 years, but uh and you're and then like kind of now i'm watching it and i'm like that feels so young oh, yeah, yeah. Feels so young for, <laughs> for her to be the reporter and him to be the like it just feels and I know Tatum's his sister who's in high school, but it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's it's especially bad when we cut over to Jamie Kennedy and he's working in the video store and it's like him, Matthew Lloyd and everyone else. And then they cut it to a close up of Jamie Kennedy. You're like, he's 40. He is 40 <laughs> years old, right? This is, yeah. But I prefer this. Like, I, I honestly, at, when I was younger, because I watched this movie when it came out, I don't want actors that look my age in my in that stuff i like when they cast old yeah for young a teenager a, t- a teenage actor should be 26 <laughs> at the youngest or something like that's just i don't know why but that's my preferred thing because it means that when you watch it as an adult okay. you're like they still look like but adults like 37 so we gotta move on sure <laughs> there's, there's, hey, there's did a you... song that plays while billy is in her house what's it's just this few notes of it. What was it? Oh, well, it's not just few notes. There's it's this is again, this is why I love watching these movies because it's so layered and it's just telling you. It's just telling you what everything is. But it plays Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh, you have to this Don't Fear yeah. the Reaper. But it's a Lord's cover. Movie. It's a cover of Don't Fear the Reaper it's that sounds romantic. Yeah. And they don't ever play awesome. the chorus. It's the verse yeah. where it's like yeah. sounds like romantic and they never mm-hmm. get to the point where they say, don't fear the Reaper. So they're having this moment where Billy's like they're ha- like charming each other and you're kind of getting a tone for their relationship. And the movie is literally telling you he's the Reaper. He's, he's the killer. Reaper. Yeah, like <laughs> he's the Reaper and he's trying to seduce you and he's the killer. But when you watch the scene, it feels like it's like a jack sweet. johnson like you know yeah, like, it, does. it sounds like <laughs> it's it's like a sweet song, song it's just yeah. so cool i love that's it so that's interesting i did i did not i i heard that because i was listening to headphones finally i was like that's a that's a cool cover of that song but it never occurred mm-hmm. to me what song it was um I, I did read another piece of trivia and tim i apologize if you already mentioned this but okay. talking about people who are too old to be playing high school students they offered the role of sydney to molly ringwald and she was like, I am 28 years old. I, I'm not going to play a high school kid again. Perfect. I've been playing and a teenager for like my entire yeah, career like, I don't want, at this I don't want point. 34 years. years. <laughs> yeah. And then I think, I don't know how old the rest of the cast was. I'm pretty sure they're pretty close. Anyway. Uh, before, before we move back to the plot, though, Nick. Yeah. Let me tell you about our sponsors. Go for it. This podcast is brought to you by Canva. Guess what? You see all the cool stuff happening and kind of funny all the time. The new motion graphics from Tim or from Roger or from Nick or whatever. I uh, guess where they learn to do a lot of that stuff, the new stuff, because they had basic skills before, but not expert skills. They've been learning it from Canva. Canva Pro is the easy to use design platform that has everything you need to design like a pro. No matter what you're creating and sharing, Canva Pro has everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio, and graphics. Plus, Canva Pro comes with 
time-saving tools that simplify and speed up the creative process. Just go to canva.me slash kindoffunny to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash kindoffunny, canva.me slash kindoffunny. Our next sponsor is stamps.com. If you know anything about Kind of Funny, you know we've been using stamps.com for a long time. When Joey was sending out a whole bunch of Patreon stuff way back in the day at the office, she had to start using stamps.com because we were using so many stamps and it's easier to use stamps with stamps.com. Uh, you can mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay less, a lot less, with discounted rates from USPS and UPS. Stamps.com saves businesses thousands of hours and tons of money every year. Stamps.com is no-brainer, saving nearly 1 million small business owners like you time and money. And with their switch and save feature, you can quickly compare carriers to find the best rates every time. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk, and with our promo code, KINDAFUNNY, all one word, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments and no contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type KINDAFUNNY, all one word. That's stamps.com, promo code KINDAFUNNY, stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Back to the plot. Uh, of course, uh, Billy is concerned with, uh, you know, he's like, listen, I'm, I'm a loving boyfriend. I know this is the end of the weekend of your mother's death, but I want sex. And when are we going to move on from this? And she's like, my mom's like, hasn't even been buried for a year. I'm still grieving. And you're worried about breaking my underwear rule. And Billy's like, how do I explain to you that I'm, I'm, I'm sympathetic, but also super horny? Like, I don't understand how we get that. <laughs> And she's like, fine. Uh, she pushes him out. She's like, how about we settle? I mean, they have a lot of talk here about movies and ratings, stuff like yeah. that. And then she says, uh, how, would you settle for a PG-13 relationship? And he goes, what's that? And she flashes him. And he's like, ooh, and then leaves. And he falls um, backwards out of the tree. Oh, wait, no, that's a scary movie. Yeah. The next day, the high school is a complete circus packed with cops and reporters. And we meet Gail Weathers, played by the very venerable Courtney Cox. Uh, and I don't know, this was after Friends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, during Friends? During, yeah. It was during, yeah. During. In it was, I was gonna of Friends. Midst of Friends. So always, I don't know if you guys are like me. I was a huge Friends fan. I know, Joey, you were as well. It's so weird to see. It was weird for me to see people in Friends outside of Friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And like seeing Courtney Cox teacher here, in the like, wild. But like Courtney Cox, great actor and awesome. And she's great in this. But it is exactly the same. It's like catching yeah. a teacher in the wild. But like, you go to Taco Bell too? Fucking weird. Right. <laughs> it's one of those things, though, where like I was exposed to things a little too early. So I saw Ace Ventura in theaters. Laces out, Which I man. think was my first experience with her. I was probably six. And then I and then I started watching Friends with my mom, and I was like seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I got I think I got Ace Ventura, Courtney Cox first. I definitely did, yeah. Ace Ventura, then, Courtney Cox is a venerable Courtney Cox. That is that is old no, Bruce school Springsteen Courtney for Courtney Cox. No, uh, no. <laughs> uh, I think she specifically went after this role, right? Is because she wanted to break out of that Friends. Um, this is and thing. it's great. Yeah, it's a great she, role. yeah. She she was quoted saying, "I want to be a bitch in a movie." 
Yeah, it's the nailed quote. it. Yeah, and it's a, it's great <laughs> casting because she obviously is so known for Monica, and she and Monica being like a, a, a nice character, and she can dip into that. And we have those nice real moments. I mean, she has range in this. She has nice moments with with Dewey, where like is she conning him or is she actually kind of falling for him a little bit? And then she has those moments where she just utterly eviscerates poor Kenny because he eats too many Cheetos, and that just hits so close to home. With one time when my manager called me overweight at work, and I was like, I'm gonna go smoke a pack of cigarettes now, sir. I digress. Wow. Uh, um, some facts about the the school here. The high school scenes were to be shot at Santa Rosa High School in California. However, very close to the shooting date, the school board read the script and denied the film to be shot there due to like, the violent nature, uh, as they had been under the impression the film was a comedy. And uh, production was moved to Healdsburg, California. As payback, director Wes Craven put in the end credits under the special thanks section in all caps, no thanks whatsoever to the Santa Rosa School <laughs> District Governing Board. Nice. Well, <laughs> for some context, hilarious. too, like a couple years before this in Santa Rosa, there had been like a really crazy kidnapping of a girl named Polly class, which oh. is why my mom never let me do anything. Cause there was like two back to back, like kidnappings when I was super little. Um, and so they, I feel like that community had just been rocked by something and they were like, this is too soon. We don't want like fake murder mm -hmm. after we just dealt with all this real murder, mm -hmm. but it is cool that they have like all these like little Northern California beats. I had no idea that this was filmed up here until yeah. I was hanging out with family yesterday and they were like, Oh yeah, the filming thing is like right down the street from our house. I was like, what the fuck? So mm -hmm. another cool thing there is uh, DJ Kento, kind of funny best friend. Mm -hmm. He wrote in, he said, not only did I grow up in Santa Rosa where Scream was largely filmed, but I also worked at the video store where Jamie Kennedy works. Uh, it's the 30, <laughs> the, it's on 3080 Marlowe road location of Bradley video. <laughs> so that's pretty wow. cool. Gosh. Uh, going back into it, we also get introduced here to Tatum, played by Rose McGowan. Uh, she catches Sydney up on the situation. Her brother Dewey says that this is the worst crime she's seen in years. Well, not, I mean, you know, ever since your mom got brutally fucking murdered is what she's alluding to. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, kids. she really, she really, kids. not a lot of tact amongst any of the friends no. or honestly, any of the students at the school. Yeah, no. it's a pretty tactless. I got to say, Dewey, as a character, probably my least favorite element of this movie he's wow. fucking weird every line he has is just bizarre and like earlier i was saying this movie just feels like scary movie like scary movie didn't do much changing i can't believe how like they him acting in this movie feels like he's in a parody yeah yeah i get that it will I, and i can't wait for us to talk about scream too because one of my favorite one of my favorite movie facts of all time comes from scream 2 and is related to dewey oh, but can't wait. uh he, yeah, he is definitely. He's a goober. He's a goober for sure. Dude, and I'm I not feel, sure. What do you guys have against David Arquette? Have freaking dare everyone, okay? It's nothing <laughs> against David Arquette, man. Eight Legged Freaks, all time classic. But, Eight Legged Freaks uh, is a good movie. I'll stand yes. by that. Oh, yeah. I uh, but love this. He's a goober, though. Mm hmm. I, I had think because always it plays thought... in the small town nature of this. Like, they, may, they let him yeah. be a cop. That's how how <laughs> lax they are on their law and order in this small town this is happening in, which makes sense because then it kind of plays the fact that it's believable that the cops would be dumbfounded by all of these murders because Dewey's like their shining achievement of an officer. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Joe, what were you saying? Oh, I had just in my memory always thought that he was way weirder and like sketchier of a ah, character he's he's in this. And so when I watched it, I was like, oh, you're like less, you're more normal than I remembered. <laughs> Uh, well, in all it, of this, it, but then I, yeah, his relationship with Courtney or, or Courtney Cox in this before she was our kid, I guess, is just so 
the their dynamic is so weird. And I'm like, how did this build into like an actual real relationship? I, I always get kind of pulled out of the movie and distracted by that point. Mm-hmm. You guys are, yeah. you guys hate love. I understand well, it. I, I like the character of Dewey. I like, like, it's like he lives at home. He but, still lives at home. Know, it's so good. He, he has this, this kind of like bickering with his sister where, you know, does mom know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's, but he's supposed to be like the deputy. There's this great scene where he goes and he walks up to the sheriff to talk and the sheriff's like got a drink and, or he's smoking he's a, cigarette, a cigarette and Dewey's got an ice cream cone. Ice cream cone. <laughs> it's like, it's just, I just think the character is just so fun. It's fun. It's I like, it. yeah, it's definitely fun. It, I do think that he was supposed to be a, one of the red herrings in the movie. Like, do you suspect Dewey? And I think making him a red herring is so funny because yeah. he's so derpy. I like the uh, there's a moment too where she Tatum gives him shit in front of the rest of the officers at the police station. And oh, she's yeah. like, and he's like, what, what, what did mom tell you? Like, when I'm here, I'm an officer of the law. And yeah. it's just <laughs> such a, a younger sibling thing to do to your brother. We're like, oh, I get it. You're around people that you are supposed to respect you. I'm going to say the worst possible thing to you in front of them because you can't do shit. And mm-hmm. I used to do that to my brother all the time. And it never turned out well for me. Uh, later, we meet Dewey, played by David Cut. There he is. Uh, Sydney gets called into the principal office because they're they're questioning everyone. And look who it fucking who is. Who see him? <laughs> look who it is. My old friend, Henry Winkler. <laughs> What's up, Henry? Uh, Hope you live fast the fucking third act of this movie. <laughs> what you get uh of course it's awesome some henry winkler facts i have for you here uh henry winkler asked to go uncredited because the producers did not want to detract any attention from the younger lesser known actors and he only appears in three scenes in the film (laughs) all of them take place in his office uh in his office when he opens his closet fonzie's jacket is hanging out so that's 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 pretty cool it it was it's i would say that's one way to put it um, I would also say it's kind of weird that he popped up in this because he hadn't really done anything like he for would. a long time. And so seeing Henry Winkler, I was like, is that the fucking Fonz? Where did they get him from? But uh, they did a good job. You know, Hen- Henry, I think it's time for us to bury the hatchet. You there's, know what I mean? there's a purpose for Henry Winkler's character, which we'll get later on in the plot. I'd love to hear the I purpose genu- of that. I genuinely appreciate it. Okay. Uh, later, we meet the rest of the group. Uh, we catch up with Stu, who's played by Matthew Willard, and Randy, who's played by Jamie Kennedy, and they talk about basic instinct. And I'm like, this this, this movie speaks to me. These kids just understand <laughs> my childhood. <laughs> Stu, of course, used to date Casey, it turns out, and Randy's like, well, maybe you're the killer because she broke up with you. And then Tatum's like, wait, I thought you broke up with her. And, and, it's like, and he's like, eh, come see, come see, as the Italians say. <laughs> uh, but he has an alibi. He was with Tatum uh, last night. And then you're like, oh, cool how he can't possibly be it because he has an alibi or can he uh sydney can't take all of them joking about casey's death because it hits too close to home so she bounces back to her place uh later she gets a call from tatum and asks she or she calls tatum and asks if she can sleep over there that weekend because all this police stuff and all the all the reporters remind her too much of the, the the trauma she suffered with her mother's death and of course tatum says yes i'll pick you up later so then we get tim's favorite thing of all time exposition delivered via a news report on the tv he <laughs> loves it james if you made a whole movie of just news reports telling the entire plot of a tv a movie tim would love this mm-hmm. yes uh, i would it lands on gail who fills us in on what happened to city's mom she was found murdered almost a year ago to the uh, to this day in the town square uh and then i think we get introduced to cotton later i think this is just a little seed of like what happens to the audience is like what the fuck are they alluding to we need to know what's going on sydney yeah. of course uh, what, what's up Kev? is this uh, in the kitchen is this in tatum's kitchen 
No, this is a – she's still at her house. Oh, okay. And then she falls asleep, and when she wakes up, it's yes. dark. Yeah, okay. So it's not the it's not the footage where Cotton is being led away. No, that's later. That's later. That's, later. Okay. that's, that's and, the next day. And can we talk about Sid's house just briefly? Yes. Because she lives on a cliffside. Yes. And there's a point where she's alone, and she's like kind of like taking in the fact that she doesn't feel comfortable there. She wants to be with her friend. She wants to be with other people. And she's out on her patio – and their patio has like four deck tables. Like they must do some banquet hall you level know, entertainment. The, the crew is eating there. Place. The crew is having lunch. <laughs> I'm, like, patio I'm like, it's her and her dad. What the hell yeah. do they need four tables for out on this patio? It's Smoking buddies. They're mind boggling wealth. Well, it was a nice I will say the locations for these I think are very well scouted though. I think when they when we see her house in broad daylight. It's still scary, and it's scary because it is this – it's a beautiful house, and it's big, but it's on such a big plot of land mm-hmm. that it feels very isolated. Yeah. And you get that feeling for her specifically when she, like – that feeling of I, – I love this scene. I, I never – I didn't pick up on this any of the other times I watched it, but her falling asleep on the couch and then waking up, and it's nighttime, you instantly get a sense of danger for her, right? Totally. Got the, like, you get that noir lighting from the Venetian blinds from the moon outside – and the phone rings, and you're like, uh-oh. And the phone, of Uh-oh. course, is just you know the what impending that doom of what, you know, yeah. the phone is the harbinger of death. And so the phone rings, um, and it's it's Tatum saying, hey, I'm coming. I'll, I'll be there to come pick you up. I should be there a little after 7. Um, also, guess what? I'm going to stop by the, the the movie video store and get us some fun movies. How about all the right moves so we can look at Tom Cruise's pee-pee? And she's like, sure, I, that, okay, if that's what you want to do tonight, let's look at Tom Cruise's pee-pee. Uh, then the phone rings again, and she thinks it's Tana, but it's not. This time, it's Mr. Ghostface. And he asks her what her favorite scary movie is. And she's like, I don't fuck with that shit. They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act, who's always running out the, the up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. This is why I love this movie. Because she's like, let's recognize how stupid these tropes are. And then, James, what happens to her about four minutes from now? She ends up running up the stairs because she can't Mm -hmm. get out the front door because the chain's locked. And it's such a good, like, you're like, oh, she's there. Oh, she's, you know, it's it's such a nice little twist um, Mm -hmm. for her. Uh, of course she takes on, she takes all of this kind of in stride when the guy's like, he's like, I'm outside. And she's like, okay, cool. Uh, what am I doing? What am I doing? She goes outside to look for him. What am I doing? He's picking the nose and she's like, you're an idiot. I'm hanging up on you. And he says, if you hang up on me, you'll die just like your mother. And she snaps the phone over her fucking knee and is like, come at me, motherfucker. (laughs) What I would have done. I would have stood in the middle of the fucking field and just been like, what, what, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. And then when he showed up a knife, I'd be like, my bad. And then I would run the other way. Um, let's see. She tries to hang up on you. Uh, she tells him to go fuck himself and heads inside where the killer comes just randomly out of the hall closet and knocks her out. Uh, of course, she's able to break free and tries to run for the front door, but the chain is on it. She had put the chain on, unfortunately. So she ends up running upstairs, uh, just doing the opposite of what she thought she should do uh, and dials the police, but the phone is off the hook. So she uses her advanced computer knowledge that presumably Matthew Lillard taught her from hackers to call the police and or order a pizza. I'm not quite sure what she was doing. <laughs> uh, and then Billy comes to the window and he's really creepy all of a sudden and he drops his cell phone and Sydney freaks out. He's creepy. He's out of breath. Yeah. He's. <laughs> He's like, he's what's so- happening? He's got a big like mark on his forehead from that looks exactly like Sydney's knee. And he's yeah, like, no, 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 I had a fucking <laughs> coconut. It was a coconut. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, I mean, like at this point, we all are like, this guy's the killer, right? 
they yeah. do such a good yeah. job of setting him up well, for like all of this guys. And even Sydney goes, "Oh, you're the kid." Like, yeah, no, 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 like I, yeah. like and, that's the thing. Any other movie would have probably gone with the like, "Oh, thank God you're here, Billy." He was yeah. right at the door. No, this movie like, is when this is what makes it so great. It skips that step, and she yep. goes, "You are the killer." Yeah, and then the movie uses that to like plant the seeds later on like not, it's like we're gonna triple yeah. twist you on this one yeah, I love yeah, the great. triple twist uh i love this next shot too she runs away from him and runs out the front door right into the screen mask but it's actually dewey holding it up and she scares him and he's like oh my god uh and then the cops are all there and they arrest then he's equally as terrified <laughs> which which i think kind of speaks to what dewey serves the purpose of here is that like this movie isn't meant to terrorize you it's meant to entertain you it's a yes. popcorn it's a popcorn horror and so Dewey d- immediately diffuses the tension of the scene the same way that her waking up at night says, and now begins the, the fear. The scary as part. Soon as, as soon as Dewey shows up, you, you la- you're like, oh, my God. And then you laugh at it and you're like, OK, I can relax now. Mm-hmm. And I think they do that really well in this film. They do I want to give a uh, shout out to Sydney here of having probably the healthiest reaction to a red flag I've ever seen in a horror movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, my boyfriend did arrest him, arrest him, he's done. Yeah, done. yeah, yeah. yeah, the yeah. Whole movie, like, yeah we're done. Yeah, <laughs> every other horror movie is like, I, I want him back. Like, we're gonna like see it through. I'm like, your boyfriend mm-hmm. just crawled into the window covered yeah. in sweat. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I heard I screaming and I ran over here. Like, well, I don't think he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tatum arrives and shepherds Sydney away while Dewey shows his boss the Halloween outfit that the killer was wearing that has been left behind. Uh, Gail arrives and tries to get an interview, but Tatum tells her she's a real pain in the ass. Uh, then she calls Kenny a lard ass, and it's very inappropriate for a workplace. Uh, at the police station, Dewey tells Sydney that they can't find her dad, and Billy gets questioned by the cops. They decide to hold Billy until they're like, why do you have a cell phone? And at this point, <laughs> at this point, the one character in this movie that I'm like, we could have tried to like we could have done a different casting with this. Not saying this guy's bad, but at a certain point, this dad's like, fuck, I think my kid is the killer. He's giving him a look where he's like, oh, I, I want to distance myself from my only child here. Mm-hmm. Not good. Anyway, the, the cops like, listen, you got a cell phone and only killers have cell phone. Killers and drug dealers have cell phones in this time in this day and age. So we're going to hold you until we get the cell phone records back. And uh, off we go. The, uh, Gail tries to get in again to talk to Sydney, and Kenny's like, how are you going to get in? She's like, I'm Gail Weathers. And then immediately gets stiff-handed, just a fucking face palm to the face. And she's like, you know what? Doesn't this place have a back, like a back to it? And Kenny's like, I don't know. I've never been to this fucking town before. She's like, I think it does from last time I was here. Let's go check it out. Uh, let's see. Uh, we get some exposition here. Dewey tells the sheriff that they've checked, and the Halloween costume is sold at every five and dime in the state, so it's going to be untraceable, unfortunately. Uh, Tatum embarrasses Dewey in front of her friends, like we talked about earlier, and then uh, they take Sydney out back to avoid the circus, but who do they run right into? Of course, Gail. Uh, she runs right into him and says, uh, I just want to talk to you for a second. Uh, and and Sydney goes, no, it's okay. She's just doing her job. How's the book? She goes, oh, it's it's, like, it's good. Thank you for asking. I'll, it'll be out later this copy. year. I'll send you a copy. And then she just, just right hook right to the Damn. face. Nice. Went down. Just knocks her down, right? Uh, and then later that night uh, at Tatum's house, the phone rings for Sydney. And guess who it is? Tim, close your eyes. Hello, Timney. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> That's right, you're, right. you're really good at that. <laughs> Chris, I smoked a lot of cigarettes in my life to get that grimy voice. Uh, sure, okay, we could go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. That's it right there. Uh, also, I'm very, I'm just only had caffeine today, so I'm pretty sure I'm dehy- my vocal cords are dehydrated. Anyway, uh, cut to the next morning. Uh, uh, oh, actually, well, before that, of course, she freaks out. She's like, "Oh my god, it's him! It's him! It's him!" I think I missed a couple spots here. Doesn't matter. Cut to the next morning. This is the first time they play the song. 
And I'm glad it's not the last because we get the beginning of Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And it is just all over this movie. And for some reason, it's perfect. You you, at tell, least you're shaking your head. You're shaking your say, head. You can tell Halloween is coming in the Willoughby <laughs> household because just a speaker will just start playing that Mar- song. Right. right. Hey. I would say, I mean, yeah. I love blasting some red right hand. It's, it's funny because I distinctly remember it at this part. There's a part that they time it with Dewey slamming the door when the bell hits. Mm-hmm. But they use this movie. This, this song is like proliferates the rest of this movie for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mad at it. Timney. Okay. Uh, we get another news report telling us about Cotton Weary. This is the this is the part we're talking about where they're they're eating breakfast, and there's a Cotton Weary who was convicted of killing Sydney's mother. Sydney was the key witness in the case that helped put him away, and Cotton Weary is played by Ray Donovan. That's right, Liev Shriver just making a banger little cameo here with his cool long hair. Uh, Dewey tells Sydney that Billy was released. His cell phone records turns out were clean. Uh, Dewey drops Sydney off at school the next day, and a reporter immediately rushes her and asks her probably the dumbest question I've ever heard a reporter ask: How does it feel to almost be brutally murdered? And that reporter was Chris Anka, Linda Blair. Linda Blair. Now, Tim, you know who Linda Blair is? The Exorcist. That's right. Mm-hmm. She's the little girl in The Exorcist. Very famous for that. Elise uh, Willems. I just, I just, I don't want to backtrack. I'm sorry, Nick. No, backtrack. But I Go just, for it. I just want to acknowledge that Liv Shriver as Cotton Weary is this like really little like aside like just that had there had to be a human in that role yeah um to see but the but what he, the the importance that he later gains in future movies no future spoilers but it's just you watching that movie at the time you couldn't have anticipated like oh actually this dude's gonna come back and it's gonna be a thing well it's, yeah they, it's interesting they cast yeah. him and then Kevin Kevin Williamson said trust me. Trust me. He's like, I got this. trust me. We're good. We're and, good. and Lee F. Sharp was like, I'm a nobody right now. I will take any role. It doesn't yeah. matter. And it ended up working out because he's a pretty big star now. Some mm-hmm. would say he is the best Sabretooth that's ever been, right, Tim? Some some would say that, yeah. <laughs> also one of the only ones. Also one of the only Sabretooth. Yeah. Uh, Sid spots Gail uh, and, and wants to talk off the record. Gail, of course, wrote the book on her mom, and she thinks that Sid falsely accused Cotton. Cotton's story was that he was uh, – here, here's the backstory story that, from her perspective. Uh, he was seduced by Sidney's mom and left his coat at her house that night, and then somebody – wore it out and that's what sydney saw the night his mom was murdered that's why she that's why uh, uh sydney mistook cotton for the killer um gail figures out that sydney and then gail's like wait a minute why are you asking me about this and then she figures out that sydney suspects that the killings that are happening now the one that happened to her mom are somewhat related gail very sharp very sharp on the uptake mm-hmm. uh and she's like if she can prove it she can save cotton from the gas chamber and we're like oh that's kind of nice she goes and that's really gonna help my book sales and you're like all right you're you are gail mm-hmm. weathers through and through yeah Sid heads the class, and one of her fellow students runs down the hallway in a scream costume, and Sid bolts, uh, uh, Sid bolts him uh, right, right, right into Billy. Uh, this I love because it's like such a shitty thing that high school kids would do. You don't take any of this seriously. If the costume was available, some dumbass kid would buy it and run around the, the hallway and just try to terrorize everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, she runs right into Billy, and this is a very awkward moment. Uh, and she's like, listen, you got to understand. He goes, understand what? That I have a girlfriend who would rather accuse me of being a psychopathic killer than touch me. He's like, you haven't been the same since your mother died. And she's like, he's like, it's been a year. And she's like, it's been a year tomorrow, asshole. Like tomorrow. And also there's no time frame that like there's a set time amount. You get over your mother's brutal fucking murder. Yeah. There's, and he's like, yeah. There's also, also a sequence before where they're like, and she's like, hey, has anyone seen Billy? And then Matthew Lillard like was like, 
like, how's he doing? He's doing terrible. You broke his heart, man. <laughs> like, like he does this like <laughs> amazing like pleading for Billy, and then like two seconds later, she bumps into him. But I always yeah. loved how much how much Matthew Lillard covers for for Skeet Ulrich in this yeah. movie. <laughs> you yeah. dude's got his heart ripped in half, man. Dude, oh, Matthew fucking Lillard in this is he deserves everything. I don't know about awards, but he deserves everything. Yeah, (laughs) I love him. Uh, Of course, uh, Billy's like, listen, you got to get over this at some point. When my mom left my dad, I accepted it. It's the way it is. She's not coming back. And Sydney's like, well, you can call her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't call my mom again because she was brutally murdered. Billy's like, listen, I... I'm horny, okay? Let's mm-hmm. just call this what it is. I am a horn dog. And then she's I like, shout out to the scene of the, the, when, when Sid walks into Billy, there's two girls walking past them, and there's no shot in any high school in which the, it was televised that a girl had her boyfriend arrested for murder, that these two would not be hyper into what's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even look at them. They don't even register. Like, oh, no, it's cool. It's whatever. Like, Mm. A, a girl just ran into her boyfriend that she just had arrested. Everyone You'd stop. Know. You're like, oh, yeah, shit. you'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. You're like, like pretending to read something, but like just looking <laughs> over. Like, Oops, where am I? I don't know what, which, what room am I supposed to go to. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to tell me that Billy Loomis isn't one of the most popular kids in that school, you're kidding me. Come on. Come there's got to be something. They're, they're, they're in there. They're, they're, they're top, I mean, they're top tier, top tier click. There's a shot later in the video store where they look over and two, he's chatting up oh, two yeah. women. And they're oh, like, yeah. they're kind of into it. It's like that. Yeah. It's like when people fall in love with serial killers and shit like that. I, I don't mm-hmm. know what that thing's called. But anyway, uh, the uh, fun fact about uh, Billy Loomis, the last name Loomis is kind of like a horror trope of itself where mm-hmm. like uh, the Dr. Loomis from the Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some other examples that I don't know. But yeah, Loomis <laughs> it is. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Let's just say uh, one of them happened to be uh, Phantasmagoria. No, uh, let's see. Winkler, Henry Winkler used a pair of scissors to cut up the screen mask. And let me tell you. Love the sound design in this movie across the board, except that for some reason, these big scissors he have, they sound like the swords that fucking like people use in like fencing. What are they called? Rapiers? Like the, the, the it's like shing, shing, shing. It's the craziest thing ever. Uh, but he's like, you, he, he expels those two kids. He's like, yeah. you two are idiots and you are expelled. Huge. Um, Huge. What I mean, come on, talk about a principal who stands up for what his school's morale. I mean, the fact that every single student in this school is terrible, I guess, says something. But like <laughs> in that scene, he's like, he's like, I don't want to hear it. You're expelled forever. Yeah. That's that their lives are done permanently, ever permanently, permanently yeah. offend, affected by what they decided to do in that hallway that morning. It's very true. And and is this a scene where like Henry Winkler, like creepily touches Sid? No, that was earlier where he's like, you're going to be okay. And then like touches her face. And it's yeah. like, that's supposed what to be fatherly. Fuck? But it's really It's like, you're cutting me. Uh, over in the bathroom, Sid over here is two cheerleaders talking about her. And it is not nice. Uh, and both of the, I'm just going to put it this way. Both of these actresses, at least 30 years old. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, oh, yeah. One of them dresses like, like it. Yeah. I know. It's <laughs> like they, they literally <laughs> went to like, what's here? happening? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they talk about how much uh, they talk really badly about her mother uh, and then maybe she's like maybe Sydney's the killer maybe she snapped and killed everyone and she's got a little bang up line here where she's like pressure got too much and she decided it's an interesting little monologue Uh, they leave uh, and a moment later Sydney uh, comes out of her stall and is like oh that's really shitty kids are shitty I hope those kids get expelled and or eviscerated Uh, and then she overhears the whisper 
And she's like, I don't know. And looks mm-hmm. down and checks all the stalls. She's like, well, I must be hearing things. Clearly the stress of this day is getting to me. And then she hears it again. Tim. And this time she's like. Great. We hear it that time. That's yeah. great, guys. Yeah. <laughs> First one didn't come through on the yeah. mic, Nick. But the I said it a little did. louder just in case. I said it a little louder just in case. Uh, I was like, I didn't get a laugh out of that one. That was a funny question. Uh, <laughs> this time, of course, when she leans down to check the stalls one more time, it's a beat. And then a pair of boots hit the ground. Oh, and nice then, boots, too. Yeah, nice, but it's like still tough. And then the robe hits the ground. You're like, oh, shit, the killer's everywhere. He knew she was going to come into the bathroom and somehow hid in there before she even got in there, which I guess makes sense. Uh, Ghostface chases her out of the bathroom, and you're like, oh, this is going to be a whole scene. But it's not because she runs out of the women's bathroom, and then a teacher looks at her dumbfounded. And you presume one of two things happen. The next thing, she is she looked over, and a dude in the Halloween costume with a mask runs out of the women's bathroom, or she just... Casually goes about her business, not worried at all that one of her students is screaming and running down the hallway. Either way, I present to you that uh, uh, Henry Winkler needs to do some trimming of these students or these teachers. Get a couple fire. Let's get some new kids in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gail flirts with Dewey uh, a little. Maybe I have to butter him up a little bit. And she tells him she's like, she's like, you ever watch my show? He's like, no, nah, I don't watch the show. She's like, well, I'm really popular with uh, males 11 to 24. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm 25, man. Well, you know, I'm just a cook. Uh, and Winkler comes over to loudspeaker and he's like, listen. Uh, class is canceled until further notice, and we have a citywide curfew in place. And let me tell you, a citywide curfew, nothing scarier, because that means no one's around to help you. Dewey lets it slip that Sid's dad is a potential suspect, and Gail's like, ooh, this is working. And then uh, tells Gail, he's like, you know what, I, I got to tell you something, though, as he's about to leave. He's like, you're much prettier in person. She goes, oh, so you do watch my show. And he goes, well, I'm 25. I was 24 for a whole year. And you're Super like, fun yeah, back and Dewey. forth. Fucking love this shit. Get and get it, it, ending in that line, it was like, all right. It cuts all right, to man. a wide shot, and you see that Dewey has a full-on erection. Yeah. He's just got a big boner. It was yeah. a weird a weird choice, but I respect Graven's <laughs> decision to include it. Artistic. Yeah. Very artistic. Yeah. Uh, Stu invites Sid and Tatum over to his house for a little part of that evening, uh, even though Tatum is just – literally, Tatum – just finished telling Sid, he's like, I'm not going to leave your side. You're going to be mm-hmm. safe. But then she's like, uh, what do you say, Sid? Let's go. Sounds fun. You're only being hunted by a psycho killer. You should be in police protection right now. But you know what? A party out in the middle of nowhere sounds like the next best thing. Over in the principal's Please. office, this is where we see uh, Winkler gets a little spooked by something. And he ends up uh, popping his head out into the hallway. And he goes, oh, Jesus, Fred, it's just you. And Fred, the janitor, in the most obvious of Easter eggs of all time, is uh, is Wes Craven, dressed as Freddy Krueger, basically. And I got a kick out of this. I got a kick out of this every single time. Uh, but when he heads back into his office, he gets stabbed violently by a ghost face. Fuck you for expelling some of my fellow students. Why they would kill the principal, beyond me. I'm not quite sure what grudge so, they have with them. So I have... I have. This is why I think Winkler's in it, and this is why I like his three scenes. Elise, you had your hand up. No, no. I uh, please come okay. back to me. Come back um, to me. And it's because if you just look at the pacing of this movie, this is the exact time someone needed to die. They needed yeah. to remind you that this is a slasher movie. It makes no sense Excellent why they would point. target him other than pure spite or whatever. Your need. It, it's not even like they were the ones who were expelled or whatever. I would I would actually even argue that maybe this was not even the go- primary ghost face. Maybe this was a secondary ghost face that was really pissed off and that just came back mm. to get Winkler. That's um, interesting. Maybe it was one of the kids he expelled and he's like, they're never going to know. His, they're never going to know it's me. His inclusion does seem weird, but when it happens at this point, you're like, oh, okay, 
we got we got to a certain point in the movie there needed to be a kill here Mm -hmm. just timing wise there were a lot of close calls with ghostface running down the school hall and the bathroom but there wasn't actually a kill and so if we need to fill that quota we need a kill here and it needs to be somebody and even though if it was just a regular principal no one would care but because it was henry winkler it was like people would care and so from the filmmaking standpoint i always love that he's included in this movie and that he dies at this point so needlessly because it's just like we need to serve this need. This is all about making sure we're getting a good popcorn entertaining movie on your hands. At least what were you going to say earlier? Uh, we're, just, we're, we're on the precipice here. We're moving into the party, yeah. which uh, to me is amazing because we're like 40 or 50 minutes into the film. And this is like kind of like the climax. It's climactic territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is the rest of the movie. We're at yep. the party yep. for like ha- now half the movie. And it's one of those things that I never really think about it um, because it feels like, oh, this is like the 20 minute, you know, whatever. This is the end of the movie. But it's like, no, this is like it. And and but it doesn't feel doesn't drag. It does. It just you're at the party. It keeps going. The pace is is exhilarating. It's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, The party scene near the end of the film runs 42 minutes long. It was shot over the course of 21 days from the time the sun set to the time it rose. After it wrapped, the crew had T-shirts made that read, I survived scene 118. Wow. wow. Uh, the, the casting crew jokingly called it the longest night in horror history. That's <laughs> awesome. That actually probably would be really, really difficult to keep all that shit straight. Like, you'd have to have really, 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 really good storyboards for this. Chris, well, let me say, I was actually surprised about the, when, when Tim said the length, because when, like, near the end of the party scene, I was like, we still have another act. Like, this doesn't yeah. feel like that far into mm-hmm. the movie. Mm hmm. Uh, moving right along though, uh, Tatum and Sydney walk and they have a heart to heart about uh, her mom. And she's like, listen, maybe, maybe you just have to come to the terms of the fact that maybe your mom wasn't the person you thought she was. And then Sydney's like, yeah, I'll think about that. And then they do that shot where like the camera stops as they keep walking and Ghostface is just in the bushes, just following them always. He's yeah. always there. Like our, like our, our silent guardian, Tim. Yep. Yeah. Our watchful protector. Exactly. <laughs> He's our Timney. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear it? God, I, I heard it that it time. Yeah. Over in the video store, Stu messes around with Randy, and they watch Billy stand in a horror section. I gotta be honest with you guys, I miss video stores. This makes me always very nostalgic <laughs> for them. Uh, and they have a banger up of a conversation here. He's like, Randy tells Stu that Billy's like, Billy's probably the killer. There's always some bullshit. He's like, Why would he kill his girlfriend? There's always some bullshit reason to kill your girlfriend. That's the beauty of it all. Simplicity. You get too complicated, you lose your target audience, which is what this movie could have easily done. But they ended up handling it very well. Stu thinks it's Sydney's dad. Randy thinks, oh, Chris, what's up? I was like, did you watch the extra behind him while he's talking? No. She, mm-hmm. the, she's the best part of this whole scene. She's, oh, she's oh yeah, I did. I did. I know exactly. Like, and like, what he's like, like there's always a reason to kill your girlfriend. She's like, what the fuck? And she's yeah. like, looking around. Like, Anyone else? <laughs> she like, oh, kind of reminds me of like an extra in a Kevin Smith movie where you're like, this was one of your friends and worked for free, right? She's universe. Not, <laughs> not really doing great. Universe. Uh, very true. Very true. Um, let's see. Th- Stu's like, no, I think it's Sydney's dad. Randy thinks he's probably his dad. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I can after you're done, Tim. No, no, you, you, no at least and Tim, done, Tim okay. call it out because I'm just I'm looking over here. I don't. See yeah, yeah, totally. Yet, so. Like Nick's reading this shit, so I like yeah. We just no, when no, hand I, raised, you get called I, out. Go for you it. Know, just want to talk about because we're in the movie, we're in the, the video store, and then of course like Randy's rules come later. And the thing that I love about Scream Two is it's very Tarantino in that everyone in this universe knows, loves, references, quotes movies, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like you know in Tarantino there's the theory of like well Hitler was killed in a movie theater in this universe, so it makes sense that everyone you know reveres movies. Mm-hmm. But I love I love this 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 world where it's like well of course everybody talks about movies all the time, and it's mm-hmm. it feels more reflective of my life. 
Um, <laughs> or yeah. I'm like, when I, you know, when I have that one friend who doesn't watch his movies, I'm like, I don't know how to interact with you. Um, <laughs> what do we planet. talk about? Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> That's um, no bike, Mike. And, and, and in addition, I also like this scene because we get to see even more uh, best friend Stu. Best friend Stu, he's, he's getting his, his, his best buddy, his co-conspirator is getting fingered and, and he is cool as a cucumber. He's, he's deflecting, but he, for a guy who comes off so stupid or whatever, He's cool as a cucumber, and he and I think as a viewer, you are going like, oh, it's got to be, but it has to be Billy, right? And it isn't until what he starts saying that you're like, oh, I guess it, I guess it doesn't like he does such a great job. Matthew Lillard mm-hmm. does such a great job in this scene that he deflects Randy while also deflecting the audience, and it's totally. it's just very difficult to do, and I think it's done perfectly. Of course, yeah, I love this scene because I think it's the second most erotic scene of the whole movie. Interesting. Of like, Explain. Uh, uh, Bill, Billy and, and Matthew Lillard are like they're gonna fuck Randy. Like yeah. they're all over him. Like if yeah, Matthew Lillard starts kissing his neck, like I totally buy it. Like that's the vibe he's putting out. He's hanging all these people. Yeah, and it's uh-huh. like they're putting out a lot of energy. And it's like no wonder you know, no wonder they're like. Do you, do you think? Do you like, think? You think maybe they go into the uh, the special section of the video store with little barn doors that you can't look into when you're a kid, even though you try <laughs> desperately. No, so hard. Is- I think isn't there like Chris like a fan theory that like Billy and Stu actually like yeah I think yeah we're lovers yeah. I'm just yeah, shocked like it's kind a of fan theory <laughs> I'm shocked <laughs> uh, of course Stu thinks it's Sydney's dad but Randy's like no nah, nah, he's probably dead his dad his body will pop up in the last reel uh, which it ends up doing actually but he's alive and he goes there's a formula to it a very simple formula. The dad's a red herring. It's Billy. And he straight up just tells the audience that. And you're like, well, fuck, now I don't know what to think because yeah. the character shouldn't. And he's like, clearly it's not Billy, right? You're telling me it's Billy. Then Billy pops up and he's like, maybe it's you, Randy. And Randy's like, yeah, I agree. And look, if this were a scary movie, I'd be the prime suspect. And he says, what's your motivation? He goes, it's the millennium. That's it. Yeah. Which yeah. is as good as any, I guess. <laughs> and then we get the shots. The whole town starts closing down for curfew. People are turning the signs over. They're shutting their windows. They're barring the doors, James. There's, I, I love the, the mom who, de- who quickly grabs her young toddler and pulls. Oh. They were having a picnic. But we have to get out of the park now. It's curfew yeah. time. Like, like, like it's like, well, why did you? Why what? did you plan the picnic earlier? Like, I don't understand why you have to <laughs> rush away from the park now. Um, and then the whole thing, as the uh, Dewey, Sid, and Tatum pull up to the police station and talk about who would play them. Uh, if he's like, if this is all a movie, who would play you in the movie? And I think I, I see, I see myself being played. I think uh, casually as a young George Clooney. I don't know if you guys feel about that. Uh, wait, but of course, are you, wait, what's are that? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. No, I, I mean just in, in general. In I, I just kind of like, funny in review film. You would there's be a by George Clooney. Have you, guys, have you guys done that where you've all talked about like who would play you in the versions? I we used to play this game, uh, Isla at Easy Allies. Uh, we used to go to this one like little uh, place to eat and there were in uh, Beverly Hills and there were headshots all over the walls. Mm-hmm. We we would do this thing where we would cast the game trailers. <laughs> like it was just like random people, you know, put my headshot up and we would be like, that guy's going to play Brandon Jones. Have you guys done that where you're like, we have, and we stopped you done it doing in a it while because the yeah. audience traditionally gangs up on me. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know why it always happens. Everyone's like, Oh, Brad Pitt can play Tim. And then they're like, 
for Nick, what about Chris Kattan? And I'm like, oh, I fucking hate this guy. He's good. I watched that. I hate this fucking dude. Oh, man. Anyway, then we see a guy. This is the part I was talking about where she goes, like, I'm going to go get something in the liquor store while Dewey gets some ice cream. And then she closes the door in the liquor store. And you see a reflection of Ghostface. This is a small liquor store. One way in and out. Did he walk in in a costume? How did the guy? It doesn't matter. Great. They just needed to get a little scare here. Sheriff tells Dewey while he's smoking a fucking butt. He's, Dewey's like, I thought you could. He's like, we've had 18 murders, bro. Fucking shut up and keep your judgment to yourself. And he's like, why don't you eat your fucking strawberry ice cream, okay, kid? Let, let daddy have a fucking cigarette for once. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheriff tells me, he's like, listen, we don't know. The cell phone that records were from Sydney's dad. And tonight is the anniversary of his wife's death. So we're really thinking it's him. We can't find him either. Then, for no reason... They decide not to protect Sydney. Dewey even says. Wait, hold on one second. Yes. Is this also where we get like a weird shot of like the sheriff's shoes? And then at least for me, when I was watching, I was like, is that this? Are those the same shoes from like the bathroom scene? I was like, is this another red herring? Yeah, they're red (laughs) This movie is stressful. I think so. He puts out the cigarette. Because I remember I was watching it this time, and I was like, oh, it would have been really funny if Dewey threw his ice cream going down. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen. (laughs) Exactly the same thing. That's so Um, funny. But here's another thing about this scene. If I recall, they go, yeah, we called his work about Sid's dad. There was no work trip, which is, is, as far as I'm concerned, an unresolved thread in the story of Scream. They go, there was no no work trip. So his dad or her dad was just going to, disappear for the weekend for something maybe because it was the I anniversary some coke. the dad i mean the dad's sketchy regardless but i just watching it this time i was like oh that's weird they never really like resolve that you know Very you know it's interesting that you say that because i've always thought this actor was like I, he's a no-name right uh, i don't mean that like disrespectfully i just mean like i don't recognize him from anything mm-hmm. and i i sometimes i'm like i wish they had cast someone that's a little bit more recognizable in this because when henry winkler well, no, the, I mean, the wink was perfectly used in this, Tim, and how dare you even make fun of him for a second because we're best of friends now. Of course, you remember from the beginning of this podcast, we buried the hatchet. Mm-hmm. Um, no pun intended. Yeah, pun sure? intended. A little pun intended. Are you sure it's that they called the work or that they called the hotel? I think they called the hotel and said no one's they checked called the hotel, yet. yeah. Oh, okay. So maybe yeah. I'm misinterpreting. I just – Or it, – It felt like they were implying that his trip wasn't just a work – like he had just like he had just lied about that. No, I think in this scene, I do remember her. I remember them saying like we checked with the hotel and they don't have a record of Neil Prescott checking in or something like that. Yeah, like oh, he never but, showed up. I think yeah. that was all right. Well, then I rescind up. my open. It's a perfect thread. film. I rescind my open thread. Don't you know what, James? Don't rescind it yet. Okay. One day we'll get some. Well, we'll talk to Wes Craven one day, but like or Kevin Williams, be like, what's what's the deal with the hotel thread? He'll know what we're talking about. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, for no reason, Dewey's like, should I bring Sydney in? And the head sheriff of this crack police squad is like, no, let's wait till we find her dad before we bring her in for protection. And Dewey's like, uh, shouldn't we shouldn't we flip that? Like, isn't that why you protect people? Because if you suspect the dad of being a killer and he's out there on the loose, shouldn't we put her someplace safe? And totally. the guy's like this, which one of us is smoking a fucking man cigarette right now? Okay, and which one of us is eating a goddamn strawberry ice cream cone for the 50s? Right? Flicks a cigarette right in his eyeball. It's like, now you're blind in your left eye for a couple of days like Snowbike Mike was. Yeah, it's a different scene than I remembered. <laughs> Sometimes this is how it plays out in here, Chris. You know that. You spent copious amounts of time playing games. Uh, let's see. Gail follows the news van. She's like, I'm going to follow this uh, all this news van up to the party. 
and and runs uh, falls in the newsman excuse me up to the party and runs into Dewey uh she asks if she can join him while he checks the perimeter uh checks out the party and then Kenny's like she's like he's like yeah no problem and Kenny sneaks her the world's biggest secret camera mm-hmm. and it's and it's like hey it's the 90s not a big deal inside the party is bumping they rented a bunch of JLC movies uh Tim that's Jamie Lee Curtis movies thank you very much the scream course, course. queen and everyone freaks out when Gail comes in cuz she's a huge celebrity Chris Anka Chris Anka Wait, didn't Dewey bring Sid to the party? Yeah, right. yeah, he dropped well, him. Like, right? I remember, no, because she him. comes in the van, didn't she? Oh no, did he bring her to the party in the van? Yeah. Oh, maybe he brought her in he, the van. He, he brings her in the police van. Because um, yeah. I made a note, like a cop and a reporter are at an underage party where everyone's mm-hmm. drinking and mm-hmm. no one brings this up. Yeah, so they're, they're, after like, curfew. they're all They're supposed to like, all be at home because of curfew, but they're breaking yeah, like a billion different Joey. laws. And then sixteen-year-olds are getting drunk as shit. And we have cameras. cameras. There's that amazing interaction where Tatum's like, "What is she doing here?" And then and then Dewey's like, "She's with me." Yeah, <laughs> like he's so happy. He like, brings can't her believe Not only that, he's like, "Hey, are you of age to drink that beer?" And the guy's like, "You went to fucking no. You know who I am. This is a small town." He goes, "Just kidding. Have a good time." Yeah. He's like, "See, I'm a cool cop." <laughs> to which, again, if I were the sheriff smoking a cigarette outside of the sand, I'd be like this. Officer Dewey, let me get this fucking straight. Mm-hmm. Not only did you not protect this person, you went to a party full of her contemporaries, all of whom are suspects in these murders, and you let everyone get pounded on, on freaking Pap's Blue Ribbon. But I think while that's you, why you need you... Dewey to be a goober, though. Yes. Because you need decision. him to be that cop that's going to... Yeah, and like, all that I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, to the uh, sheriff's point, when he's like, "She brings Sid in," he's like, "What are we gonna do about it? Like, we can't save anybody in this town. Just let yeah. her have fun." That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Good point. yeah. Uh, of course, Gail takes the opportunity to hide the very, very large uh, camera above the VHS player so they can look at uh, at the scene before them. While Tatum goes out to the garage for more beer beers and gets locked out, just like. Lewis Tully from Ghostbusters, Tim. That's right. We did Ghostbusters earlier today. Everyone check that out. Uh, the lights go out. So she decides, she's like, damn it, the lights are out. And nobody's, I'm, I'm knocking on this door, but clearly the kids are having too much fun in there. I'll go through the freakishly large cat door that's been carved into the garage door. Never in my life have I seen a door for a cat that's in a garage door. <laughs> it's fucking I mean, very weird. Okay, well, hang so, on. She, I was going to say, I mean, again, she's running from the killer. She throws some beers. She gets some. She oh, gets I some forgot. Licks Did in. I miss that part? Sorry. You, I, yeah, yeah, she should, gets some she, licks she, in. She doesn't initially want to go. She tries to raise the the garage door. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I apologize. She does. Through. She tries to raise that first, and yeah. then it stops. And when she looks over, the killer's there. Yeah, I think that I wrote this. She, I wrote this in here. I wrote this in here to to be like, why is this? Why is this pet door? human size well, <laughs> like what I are they getting in and out of this garage i like i like to when we get to the point where she is you know trapped against against her will has no other option but to try and get through this door mm-hmm. you know how animals have whiskers that determine whether or not they can fit yeah she not a great perception of what she, she picks could her get. arm in? She, she gets like one arm through a head and she's like, I'm here for the rest of my life. Yeah, like, call the fire it. department. I am not you know, getting get an inch the jaws of life. To, to her credit, though, she like, uh, she's not a wilting violet. She, no, dude. She does not, you know, go out lying down. She, she fucks him up. She kind of does. She but. takes, and, yeah, wow. she, is, she is prone. Well, Much lunched over. <laughs> She, she uh, throws the bottles at she's hitting him just yeah. just headshots mm-hmm. every time. 
Gets uh, him with the freezer door. Yeah, hits him with the fr- like. She's I. I really appreciate that she like does not just just go down without a fight, and then she makes that stupid decision because she's in a desperate situation, and she's yeah. like, "I'm gonna die." What, you know, I think I think we'd all go through a cat door. Uh, um, that's one way to look at it. The other way is like I, after you've pretty much knocked this guy senseless by. I mean, she throws a full on beer bottle into his head, and it shatters on his forehead. And he goes, "You hear him go, oh, yeah, my that's forehead." When, I just want everyone to know that's when you follow up. You pick up that shard, the little part where the where you drink right about the neck of the bottle, and you just start fucking prison shanking him right in the yeah. neck. <laughs> stab, 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 stab. Right. Then you walk away, cool. Drop the thing. No one know. Nobody saw. No one's gonna fucking squeal on you, Tim. Snitches get yeah. stitches. Yeah, yeah, you walk away. It's true. It's true. Don't go through the cat door. Don't go through the, the world's <laughs> most up. powerful garage door. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And then it lifts up. And it's like, <laughs> it sounds like a hydraulic lift for a fucking yeah. like a yeah. jet airplane. I and still love it though. It. It's like it's this is one so of those bad. moments that's so dumb and it's like not realistic, but it's like fuck it. It's cool and it's a great way to kill somebody. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a great like great this suburban version of the Mission Impossible elevator. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. You saw that. Yeah. Like, how do we do that in someone's home? Oh, garage. Yes. <laughs> Which was such a traumatizing thing to me when I was a kid and I watched that movie. Oh, Cause, well, it's because you loved Amelia. That's traumatizing. Yes. I'm still yeah. afraid of elevators. I, I, I sometimes I if I ever meet. Why do the. Why do the elevators have giant spikes that I don't, engage? I've never understood that. <laughs> I never understood Evidently, why they were like <laughs> in Prague, James. They have a huge problem with people hiding on top of elevators. I see. To the point. So they just, mm. they just they put spikes Cutting up there, people. giant three feet spikes that make sure you gotcha. can't dodge them. That's All the right. whole point of it. Understood. Uh, fun note here that I never ever noticed before: they linger on a shot of Ghostface opening the door, yeah. the door that was previously locked. But I guess he may have unlocked it. Never mind. Don't worry about that. Forget it. I digress. I thought maybe okay. it's because the other guy unlocked it from the other side. But you know what? Now that Billy I'm thinking that about it. That's Billy that killed her, right? That's Billy that kills her. Yeah. Is it Billy? Okay. Yeah, anyway. Uh, uh, Matthew's in the, on the couch watching. Right. Uh, Gail comes back to the van to check on the camera and, tell her, and Kenny tells her, oh, shit. Looks, my camera's got a delay. It's about 30 seconds. And that'll come into play later. Billy pops in and apologizes to Sydney. He's like, can I, can I get a little time with you and apologize? Uh, she realizes... Uh, she's like, listen, I'm sorry. Billy shows up and takes uh, her upstairs. Then Gail goes to the news van. Then we cut back upstairs and Billy is apologizing to Sydney. She stops and she's like, listen, I've been a little bit in denial about who my mom really is. Uh, and then Billy is like, you know what? You're exactly like Jodie Foster in, in Silence of the Lambs. And to which Sydney replies, you're not helping yourself here. Do not compare me to Jodie Foster from, the, from fucking Silence of the Lambs. It's a very traumatic movie for one young Nick Scarpino watching this film. Then they start making out, and the music here is very reminiscent of Red Shoe Diaries, which, Tim, you'll never understand, but I do. I, I got it. About... Yeah, David Duchovny. You. Exactly. <laughs> Tell me a story, David Duchovny. Tell me a story. Mm-hmm. I hope my parents are asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sydney's like, listen, uh, she's like, I want to be in a Meg Ryan movie. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, or at least a good porno. And Billy's like, oh, are we doing this? Are you sure? And she's like, I could literally fucking die five minutes from now. Let's do it. Let's mm-hmm. take Let's take this thing. Let's make this thing happen. Uh, Downstairs. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. Go. And this is beautifully uh, contrasted to what's happening downstairs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, downstairs we cut, and Randy is laying out the rules of surviving a horror story. So good. Rule Love number this one. Part. Well, he make- finds out it, he has to lay out the rules because he discovers that the people watching these films just don't understand. They don't. They think it. that something's going to happen to Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis, but she's she's fine. Because, because she essentially has invulnerability because she is a virgin. Right. And virgins don't die in these there's, movies. There's more than that rule, right? That is, there's three right. rules 
one must follow in order to survive a horror movie. Rule number one, Tim, you can never have sex. Rule number two, that well. so you're out. Rule number two, no drinking or drugs, I'm out. And number three, never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Of course, Matthew Lillard's like, I'm going to the garage for a beer. Does anyone want anything? I'll be right back. That's the trailer <laughs> shot. It's in the trailer. Favorite part of the movie. So good. Uh, everyone we, loves it. They all ate it up. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Dewey gets a call from a dispatch saying there's a car down the road that he's got to go check out. So he goes down there and Gail asks if she can walk with him uh, while some of the extras leave the party. So it's starting to thin out. Uh, Sydney and Billy Stop get hot. extras. There's like five people here that never, you know, like, I couldn't, I couldn't fucking pick them out of a lineup. That's how little they are in this movie. Uh, Sydney and Billy get hot and heavy upstairs. While to, to Elise's earlier point, we're seeing that scene mirrored downstairs. Uh, we get the obligatory breast shot. That's always, there's always nudity in these old horror movies. And then that says, as Sydney's taking off her top upstairs, um, Randy gets a call and he's like, oh no, Principal uh, Winkler is dead. And he was like, he was gutted and hung from the goalpost to which all the high school students uh, respond. Oh, exactly like high school. Yeah, let's go take a look well, at it. Also, we gotta look at it before Elise, they take it down. What Elise is referencing earlier, which There's is so funny. Stu's house, the, the home phone rings and then Randy's like, I better get this. So someone <laughs> wasn't at the party and said, I better call Randy at the party and let him know what happened to the principal. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there. He's just being a good friend. Maybe people are like, listen, this house, middle of fucking nowhere. I've never been there. I'm just calling to get directions to it. And Randy, of course, being the good friend he is, is like, stay away from this place. People are fucking getting killed left and right. Have you seen the garage door? Uh, so now the rest of the extras leave the party because uh, they want to go check it out. And we're left with the core cast. Gail and Dewey bond over their mutual terrible names. And then the, as the kids are coming down the road, they almost hit them. So they dive into the bushes and they, go, they make out a little bit. They get a little smoochy smoochy until Gail looks over and goes, hey, is that what you're looking for? And this car is comically close to them. It is almost like they look over and the camera pans one foot to the right. And it's a mm-hmm. fucking tire of a Subaru. <laughs> mm-hmm. They freak, of course. You're, like, you're missing, I think, one of the things Dewey's best line of the whole movie. What did he say? After they, they kiss, and then and then she she turns and looks, and he's not looking at it, and she goes, "Is that what you're looking for?" And he's like, "Every day of my life." Oh. <laughs> and then she like makes like him look. It's like, oh shit. That's good. I like that. Yeah, kind of that. Uh, let's see. Of course, they they realize that he's like, "That's Neil Prescott's car," and they freak out and head back to the house. <laughs> Meanwhile. Sydney and Billy are getting dressed after their 30 seconds of passion. And Sydney gets curious about something. She's like, hey, when you were arrested, who did you call? She's like, well, you one phone. If we talk about before that, we sure. come back, she's on the bed, and he's like halfway across the room. Like he got yeah. bucked off at some point. Like <laughs> he's like shirtless in the corner, like, like, what just happened? <laughs> a lot of a lot of pent-up aggression in this. It's yeah. been at least a year that we know of. I um, love her calling calling out Billy on this. I think oh, it's, yeah. it's a great on the moment. phone call. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe think about that before, though, right? I'd be like, well, Billy already got what he wanted here, but now you're like, wait a minute. I don't know why this is a weird one for me because I'm like, why wouldn't I, I would have thought she would have interrupted it and be like, wait a minute, something just occurred to me, but they bang, right? Mm-hmm. They're like done. Yeah. And then she's like, who did you call when you got arrested? And Billy's like, well, I'll call my dad. And she goes, no, you didn't. The sheriff called your dad. And he goes, oh, oh well, I, I called him, but when he when I called, he didn't answer. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was having some post nut clarity. That's why. Uh, <laughs> I see. Yeah. Totally. Now you take hundred percent of the cobwebs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all engaging now. She's planting everything. He was stupider, and she was smarter. Yes, he's like, damn it, this is not doing. This is not how I wanted this to go down. 
No pun intended there. Anyway, uh, but the theory is put to rest when Ghostface comes in and stabs Billy to death. And he's like, Sydney. She's like, oh, my God, this is horrible. And she gets chased around the house a lot and ends up climbing out the second story window. Uh, and then she tries to get back in. And she gets distracted. And when she looks over, Ghostface punches through and just throws her off the roof. Thankfully, uh, she lands on the boat below, which has a big, thick cover that that's, breaks her fall. That's what I love. She lands on a boat. And I'm like, <laughs> like in, in the movie, it's like, thump. And she's safe, but I'm like, no, it's just like you just crash in, crack the your steering. like, crack uh, your no, like, spine on the seat yeah. of the boat. Like I don't understand, but this is like, Foof. I'm like, it's a boat. And yeah. like, oh, thank God, I was there to catch her fall. Fast and yeah, Furious yeah. logic, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's also hilarious because she did just fall one story, which could kill you. It could hurt you a lot, but it could also just have been explained that she like fell into a bush or like just hit the grass. Anyway, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I used to jump off roofs, which explains why my knees are so fucking terrible. Uh, Ghostface sneaks into the living room while Randy is hammered and is seeing a similar scene unfold on the TV again. This is where we start getting some of those music cues uh, where they use some of those sound effects from so uh, good from the Halloween. You get the yeah. that kind of cool stuff, and you're like, oh, that's so. You got like half of that, Nick. But yeah. we appreciate Sorry, it. well, you guys it understood what it was. Uh, and he sneaks in there, but is interrupted by Sydney's scream and runs outside. Uh, she's like, she she has got to the news van and she wakes up Kenny and she's like, listen, we gotta get the fuck out of here. And then they look and we skip the, the part where she found what's her name? Tatum. Yeah. Tatum. Oh, oh she's after sorry. the boat. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah, because she, she after she after she gets the off boat, the boat. Yeah, she's like, oh my she's god, from the outside. Yeah. Copy that. Um, yeah, I must have not taken that note. That's sorry about that. Great. Uh, uh, her recognizing that is a great moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. I also skipped the part where the whole point of the phone conversation is that she was like, she goes, because that would have been pretty clever, actually, if you had used your one call to call me. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, no, I didn't do that. And she's like, all right, well. Yeah. We'll see, buddy. We'll I see agree. in about five disagree. minutes. Who you are. Disagree. <laughs> uh, let's see. She gets chased around the house. She sees Tatum's body stuck in the garage door and almost throws up. Great reaction from Neff Campbell here. Uh, Ghostface sneaks in, gets to the van, and we're seeing this the scene unfold with Randy uh, on a 30-second delay. But Kenny's like, oh, no, what the hell? And he's like, holy shit. Wait, we're on a 30-second delay. We got to go stop Randy. But as he leaves the truck, he doesn't realize that Ghostface has already left the building. And he looks over, and the, the door's open. And he's like, what the fuck? And then gets his throat just slit. Ooh. I love and, how and fast little, it all happens. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. once you hear 30-second delay, it's like, okay, what are they going to do with this? Like, mm -hmm. how like how much setup do I need to pay attention to? It's like, no, no, no. The payoff is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sydney gets stabbed, manages to get into the van and escape through the back. Uh, Dewey and Gail show back up, and Dewey tells Gail to head back to the van and call the police while he checks out the house. Love the music here, and this is where we got a lot of, a lot of those stingers tied in. Uh, Gail gets back uh, to the truck, finds a big old. She's like, oh, something's on the – this seems great for me. She's like, yeah. something's on the, the, the windshield. Yeah. And so she she kicks on the uh, the windshield wipers, and it's blood, Tim. It is uh -huh. just, It's Kenny's blood because the killer was like, I'm going to take a second – for no reason, just to throw mm -hmm. Kenny's body up on the roof of this van. Yeah. I do uh, love the flair for dramatics that they yeah. have. Mm -hmm. They put Kenny on the roof. They are mm -hmm. stringing uh, the principal on the goalpost. They have Drew Barrymore at the beginning. It's just mm -hmm. like, what? Wh why? They're this committed. seems unnecessary. Kenny was a small guy, though. <laughs> do you think, James, do you think if, if, you had, if you killed me, you could hoist me up onto that van? Because I'm probably about way about what Kenny weighed. You think you weigh what Kenny weighs? No, you think Kenny's, you no. You think Kenny's bigger than me? You think Kenny's yeah, like 220? So. Yeah. I you think, think you can put a 220 on the I think you have the, the adrenaline of being a killer. 
we'll get, it'll get you up there. I think. What's your What's your go to lift for that? What do you think? You think you're deadlifting him? And then I mean, I'd probably have to power clean you yeah. up into some sort of cradled position. Yes. And then, but what if you put him in the face with some beer bottles though? You know? he's, also yeah. draining, he's also draining blood, so he's, he's losing weight. As oh, that's true. That is true. true. There's a big part of blood. And you, you obviously they clearly went up over the the hood. Right, because that's why it's covered. Ah, uh, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You think they just dragged shield. him up over the hood? That's maybe, yeah, maybe an angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see where we left off here. Uh, Vakil gets back in the truck. Uh, Randy startles her, so she beats him with a phone and knocks him out. And then when she goes start the van, the windshield's covered in blood. Kenny was on top the whole time. Kenny, I'm sorry, but get the fuck off my windshield is what she says. Love the savagery here. Uh, Gail floors it. But when Sydney pops out of the woods to wave her down, she freaks and drives out into the trees, knocking herself unconscious. Sydney finds Dewey with a knife stuck in his back. And again, another red herring where like he comes out and you're like, oh, he made yeah. it. And he's like, uh, Sydney. And then that by that knife, by the way, solid six inch blade buried in his back. Oh. Fine by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Killer he does logic. fully recover. Yeah. <laughs> does he? I mean, doesn't he? He's a limp in like the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. He's pretty fucked. Oh yeah, he's, right. Good call. He's, he's got Good call. They, that's the like the one long term injury or whatever that he deals with. Oh, that's sad. Uh, Gail, let's see. Uh, we play a little game. Uh, uh, Sydney runs over to the cop car. And we play a little game, but who could unlock the car doors faster? And Sydney calls in the disturbance to the police, but before Go- uh, Ghostface pops up in the back seat and chases her into the house, Randy and Stu both pop around the corner uh, one by one, and then they're like, "Oh, he's the killer! He's the killer! No, he's crazy!" They start accusing each other. Uh, so and, and Sydney's like, "You know what?" Fuck the both of you and grabs Dewey's gun and locks them both out. This but, this point is so great for me because it's like even 10 degrees more suspicious than when uh, Billy pops in the window, like covered mm-hmm. in sweat. It's yeah. like, like, <laughs> the, the direction Stu runs in, he's like practically, you can see he's like practically throwing off the last yeah. bits of his, his <laughs> like his robe or whatever. It's like, ah, oh, like it's like his last ditch effort of like trying She's to like, buy in on this bit. You have blood all over your jeans and shoes, and it smells like Kenny. And he's like, I don't know. It's yeah. just Cheetos. I had Cheetos. Of course, uh, she's like, fuck the both of you. And who should come from the top of the stairs? Billy. And he is alive. And he's like, Sydney, help me. And she helps him down. And he does that cool, like, pratfall stumble down, really sells yeah. it. And she's oh, yeah. like, bitch, she's like, She's like, Stu and Randy are outside. One of them's the killer. He's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, just just uh, give me the gun. Give me the gun. And she goes, I swear to God, they've all, she's like, uh, they've flipped out. He's gone mad. And Billy says, we all go a little mad, mad sometimes. sometimes. Nice. And then nice. Randy pops around the corner, and Billy puts a bullet in him, right? Is that what happens next? I think I got ahead of it. They let Ra- Randy oh, that's comes, right. They let Randy in. Mm-hmm. That's right. Let then, Randy in. And then, uh, and Randy's like, Stu's gone crazy. And then, and then, yeah. And then that's when Billy shoots Randy. Right. That's right. Uh, and Cindy bolts, but Stu catches her. And she's like, Stu, you got to help me. You got to help me. You got to help me. And he's like, and he brings out the voice modular. He's like, oh, do I have to help you, Timney? And they're both the killer. And this is when I, the young Nick Scarpino was like, well, wonders never cease. I thought I'd seen it all. I thought yep. I'd seen it all. They're both the killers. Mind Kasinka alone. It's Great. so good. It works so well. It's so earned. And this from here on out, this movie is fucking insane. Bonkers. But in a way that like I, I'm totally in for. Like mm-hmm. these guys are crazy. Yes. And the way they deal with each other, the way they're speaking to each other, I'm like, damn, Scream's a fucking awesome movie. There's Shout out to you, Wes Craven. I think I think the also the thing that makes it work so good is that the whole movie they've been telling you Billy's the killer, Billy's the killer, Billy's the killer. The movie's been literally telling you every character is saying Billy's the killer. Um 
And whether or not you believe it, it doesn't matter because the introduction of Stu is like, oh. And then the best thing is, it's not like they suddenly become crazy people. Like, it isn't mm -hmm. even like a Norman Bates type situation where it's like, he <clears throat> seems so normal. It's like, they are, they continue to be the wild and crazy and creepy and like malicious personalities that they were before. And you're just like, oh, of course, like, of course they were the killer. You're telling totally. me the whole time. It's great. <laughs> I also love that you can't, you can never trust that, like, it's very obviously like Billy's the killer the whole movie, but you, because of horror tropes, you're like, I don't know if I just trust my gut on this because, like, it's mm -hmm. telling me it's him, mm -hmm. but I don't know. And then I know Wes is doing it, but then they keep making me think it's him, but then I don't know. And then it's like, it's too obvious. It's like, ah. Uh. And then finally, realize, like, oh no, you stuck with it. You just stuck with it. And you, like, you rode through how many times I would doubt myself to mm -hmm. stick yeah. that way. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you're comparing him to, like, Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street as the right. boyfriend, it's like, well, he's going to be collateral. He's not, you know, the killer. Totally. Right? Johnny Depp, though, had cooler hair. Uh, she she says, wore a crop top, which, you know. Hell yeah, wore a crop top. Bonus points. <laughs> and you, Chris, you've been listening to our podcast. You know how much I've been pushing these crop tops the entire time. I want these old school football crop tops like you would not believe. Oh, my God. Well, you got to start leading that movement. Then. I got to yeah. do the change Thank I want to see. Thank you, Chris. I told him this two weeks ago, and he said he's not ready for it. I'm not ready for it. I got to leave. You're cutting all your shirts. You have no choice. Nick, James has been cutting old shirts into crop tops. And new shirts. I've been, uh, doing, I've been working. Shirts. I've been working out in crop tops. I'm working. I work out alone, but I'll work out. I'm like, I was like, you know what? I think I'd only wear this shirt if it didn't have sleeves and it cut off right under yes. my ass. I was like, why don't you yeah. just cut it? Just cut it then. Cut it. And, and so then I, I and then I come over and he's like, look how much better I can do. I, you this. can move. You can breathe. Yeah, it's absolutely. the perfect range shirt. of motion, just all over yeah. the place. <laughs> the great thing is you don't risk like catching your nipple on something because not, it's still it's all. still covered, and that's yeah. the important thing of the crop top. Perfect. You guys should go into business. Oh, crop tops by us. Yeah. <laughs> by us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of do love that crop tops by us. Crop tops by us. There you go. Crop tops by us. There it is. And like who's us? We're like anyone. Anyone can be us. Anyone can uh, wear the mask. She tells them you're but you're never gonna get away with this. And Billy's like, oh no, tell that's Cotton Weary. He is the real. He's like he was so easy to frame. We're the ones that killed your mom. And she's like, oh my god, why would you kill my mom? And then at first Billy's like he tells her kind of he gives her the runaround. He's yeah. like yada yada. But then he's like, here's the real reason. He's like, I don't really need a motive, but. Maybe I wanted to put her out of her misery. Or maybe it's because your mom was having an affair with my dad, and that's why my mom moved out and abandoned me forever. Uh, and she's like, he's like, how's that for motive? And then also he's like, Sydney, you're no longer a virgin, so you're going to die. Those are the rules. And Sydney's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was upstairs when these rules got told to me, and so were you. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, like, maybe it's like, Matthew I barely think I'm not a virgin anymore. Like you weren't that good. Yeah. He, <laughs> between the time don't give yourself we too much credit. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's chill out here, Billy. I, I wonder I if we could actually track how long it took because there is scenes in the movie that we could cut back and forth. And we could time that out in the movie to see how long they were up there for. Right. Maybe there's some heavy petting. Who knows? Maybe I, I I really like that Billy goes from going like I don't have a motive. Like some people just do wild things. It was your mom. <laughs> it's like one yeah. like from one sentence he goes yeah. no motive. I just do crazy things. Why could you even think I have a motive? Here's my motive. Yeah, here's my motive. 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 That is the most specific exacting that mm -hmm. actually totally adds up. And you're like cool. Makes sense yeah, cool. for this yeah. guy. Why not? But there's another surprise. It's scream, baby. Stu brings up Mr. Prescott all duct tape and sitting. He's like, no, daddy. And then he said, what if your father snapped? It's your mother's anniversary and it set him off and he killed everyone except Billy and Stu. Uh, and then, but of course, it's only believable if they took a little bit of, uh, of some of the punishment as well. So they proceed. And this is the scene that's always hardest for me to watch. They proceed oh, to stab each oh, other in the gut and I take turns it. back oh. and forth. 
this is the scene that solidifies them as just being absolutely bonkers crazy as killers it's like oh you guys are just having fun at this little stabbing game this is the most erotic scene of the whole movie they're stabbing each other they just killed off each other's girlfriends so they can be with each other now exactly Oh, this yeah. whole scene's really hot. Thematic impaling. And Joe, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I love this. I think this is the most fun scene because you also get that Billy is so unhinged and Stu really is his just like Slacky. he's gonna go along with he's a yeah. stooge. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Absolutely. He is the stooge. And, uh, wow, yeah. I never got that. That's good. <laughs> you know, Stu being like, Billy, come on, man. Yeah. You hurt me. He stabs Billy once and then Billy stabs him like four times. Yeah. 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 So, I'm like, yeah. Listen to the sound. I'm like, he's he's they're not a really training off here. He's like really into this. Lillard yeah. spittle too. That's what oh, I yeah. like too. There's a lot every time I watch it, I'm like always watching the spittle all over Matthew Lillard's mouth when he speaks. Like Billy has some, you know, toxic tweets that he would be he needs to make. Like Billy has mm. so much pent up mm. like mm. male you yeah. know, anger, aggression, and he's taken out on poor Stu. Which, again, we talked about motivation. They do go, well, Stu, what about you? And he's like, pure pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love like, that. And it's, like, funny because so many other people have said that they don't have a motive, but the only person who kind of doesn't is Stu. Is Stu. Mm-hmm. I love it. We're going to get to that in a second because he's got a banger here, too, of course. Uh, uh, Billy tells Stu to grab the gun, but he goes to look for it. It's gone. Gail to the rescue. She says, I've got it. ending for you. The reporter left for dead. The news van comes to and saves the day. But Billy's like, oh, I know something you don't know and then knocks her out when she tries to pull the trigger because the safety is on uh and then the phone rings and it's and and they answer and she says are you alone in the house we're gonna play a little game it's called guess who just called the police and reported your little ass and then Stu, uh who was like man i got cut a little too deep i think i'm dying here man uh picks up the phone and sydney asks him what his motive is and that's where he's like peer pressure and then he goes it's a beat for a second while billy's going crazy in the background and matthew it's like should you really call the police yeah my yeah. mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me like a baby <laughs> apparently he improvised too. it's so good uh, love it and it's, well, it's an improv line coming up as well mm-hmm. Uh, Cindy turns the tables on Billy and jumps out of the closet as he's looking for her dressed as Ghostface, and she stabs him in the chest with an umbrella um Stu rounds the corner, and Sydney goes, uh, uh, let's, oh, she does a nice little sacrifice throw on him, even managing to roll on top of him to mount, but she can't quite sink that guillotine. Tim, I know what you're thinking. You gotta, see, you gotta sink that, keep that guillotine, sink it, chest up, elbow in. Uh, mm-hmm. But instead, she drops the TV on his face and kills him. Randy comes to, thankfully, he was a virgin, Chris Anka. Uh, so we actually missed it. It's when um, Billy's on the phone, and he throws the phone, and it hits Stu in the head. Oh, that yeah. either either I, I don't remember if it's because he shot that scene so many times that they were now tired mm-hmm. or what happened but he billy actually hits him in the head so he oh, turns really? like you hit me in the head you dick like that's a oh, real yeah. line he <laughs> yeah. was actually pissed oh that's funny that's great that's great uh randy comes to he's like thank god I'm, I'm a virgin and then billy comes through and knocks him out and he raises the knife to finish sydney off and deliver the killing blow he says say hello to your mother but then Bang. Gail blasts him in the chest with Dewey's Beretta. She says, I guess I remembered the safety this time, you bastard. Sydney takes the gun, and all three of them examine the body. And I love this beat because Randy says, careful, this is the time where the supposed killer comes back to life for one last scare. And, of course, Billy pops up, his eyes open real quick, and pops up. And uh, Sydney puts a bullet right between his eyes. Not in my movie, she says. Then the he sun- did. That always yeah, bothers me because he did. Yeah. 
He did. Yeah, yeah. No, she meant like point. you're not. No, like she did it preemptively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been better if he if he <laughs> was just lying there and then she should have put a bullet in his brain and he didn't do anything. He's like just for good measure. Then. Mm -hmm. The sun comes up as Randy gets loaded into an ambulance. Uh, more cops show up uh, to the gruesome scene as Gail walks her new crew uh, through the gory details of the prior night's ordeal. And the camera dolly, or actually, I guess, plays out, jibs out. Sexy 90s, the sexiest 90s-est music you could ever, where it's like, ah, 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 like the, the, there's only like three years where movies had that type of song in it. But uh, man, yeah. it was great. But not walk. before we get a quick flash frame of the ghost face one more time. Then we're out. Then we are, we are out. Um, so normally we do haiku and review. Uh, you guys did not write. Well, you know what? That's not true. Somebody did write a haiku that I'm going to read to you guys over at patreon.com slash kind of funny. Hit me with the song, Nick, please. No, I'm sorry. I think I believe it's Elise's You're right. job. To hit You're right. It is Elise's job. Hit us with the haiku song, Elise. Seven syllables in the mill. Yeah, five for the first and last line. Can, can we? Sorry, can we just stop? Can someone tell me what the lyrics of the song? If you're not are? poetic, no need to sweat it. No, what's the read second? It. You got it. You need five, five, five for the, fir for the, the first and last, first line. And last okay, okay, line. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I just I feel like Andy probably like sees this every time, and he's like, Andy, Andy does not watch any content. Oh, no. He's not. He doesn't watch any of our content anymore. Happy you. Um, yeah. Seven syllables in the middle. Got five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, don't need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku, haiku in review. Very good. Absolutely nailed it. You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form, uh, just like Nick T did, uh, who writes in with stab, 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 stab. So there you go. There is that. But Matt Exposure, Madeline, Matt Exposure writes in and uh, says, this is an haiku, but I got a couple fun facts I wanted to drop there. Uh, reiterating what I said earlier, Billy's last name, Loomis, is also the name of Michael Myers, psychiatrist, Dr. Loomis. Uh, in the opening, Casey's parents reference the Mackenzies, which is a reference to when Lori tells the mm. children she's babysitting to go down mm. the street to the Mackenzies' house in Halloween, one of those babies, Kyle Richards, housewife of Beverly Hills, never forget. Oh, yeah. um, and then they're actually watching Halloween at the party later in the film. So that's some fun stuff. Very cool. Now it's time for Ragu Bagu. Da 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 da. Ragu. Da 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 da. Bagu. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rad Guys Talk Bad Guys here for Scream in Review. Uh, I guess we'll rank it by who Ghostface is because Ghostface apparently appears in every movie. So where do I guess we'll just put Billy and Stu and Peer Pressure at number one? Love it. How does that we rank it? them together. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna rank right. them together. They're, they're a unit. Yeah. Them as a tag yeah. team. Okay. They're great, fantastic villains, totally believable, mm -hmm. insane, interesting kills. Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10 villains. Good job, guys. Yeah. You mm -hmm. did it. Yeah, they're great. And then, obviously, there's only one movie. So currently, number one is yeah. Scream, uh, <laughs> which is fantastic and very, very well earned. Uh, James and Elise, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And Chris, I love you so much. Thank you for joining I, us as I well. Actually have, I actually have one more fact for you, Tim. Oh, know. facts Ooh. me up, baby. No, Apparently, when they were filming the movie... At uh, time, they didn't have the rights for the mask yet, so they use a knockoff mask for most of the movie, and then they get the rights for the reshoots. So the mask changes in the movie, and apparently, it's really obvious. I couldn't tell this time. I think like the eyes will move. Hmm. Um, really? But yeah, but then yeah, the mask this whole movie. Yeah, I had no idea. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Huh. Oh, I love that. I I yeah. had heard that like they were there was some 
you know, people didn't like the mask at first or whatever, but I had no idea that they like shot and then changed it. That's yeah, awesome. it was, it, it, it's a, it's a mask from like a, like a, an amusement park around the area and they couldn't get the rights. So mm. they just went ahead and mm. shot the movie with their weird knockoff. And they're wow. like, oh, no, it's really okay. You guys can use it. And they're like, oh, shit. Okay, let's put it in there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, if you have some fun facts that I didn't talk about, let us know in the comments below. That'll sound cool. Uh, but until next time, I love you all. Goodbye.